warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 369. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's make it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers, and the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers, the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, I'm Trace Balloon. And I'm Frank Conniff, TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and the Mads are back, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Mmm, I love leftovers, especially pop culture ones. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And and we're, we're the Leftovers! leftovers. <laughs> Thought I'd say it differently. Like and we had leftovers! <laughs> Thought I'd say it differently there, Jake. I'm trying to think of what that reminds me of, of what, what movie that's from. I don't know. It sounded like a little bit of, like, excited John Lovitz. Oh, here you go. And we're the leftovers! I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. How the fuck are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Doing right. okay. It's been a week, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 The, the weather... Talk about no, that. That'll be fun. Weather. Oh my god. Weather. Snow. Cold. <laughs> Negative temperatures. Yeah, it's winter. Yeah. What do you expect? And everyone knows. Everyone knows what we're talking about this time. Usually, it's just us in the Midwest. It's yeah. like the whole fucking country's feeling winter this year. There you go, Texas. Enjoy, man. I, I feel bad for Texas, man. Got me too. Yeah. Yeah. See, the thing is, like they they know how to handle the fucking warm temperatures down there. And then we get the warm temperatures, the heat up here. We got people fucking dying of dehydration, and uh, and then they get the cold weather down there, and they don't know how to fucking drive. Yeah, yeah, they've got people dying from the cold down there too. It's no, true, right? man. It's true. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. We all need to be educated on this shit. They should be. I don't know. Everybody should be better prepared. So, anyway, we're not. Alone. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> oh man, we're not alone. What if I never introduced the guest? They just said we're not alone, and I let the guest just hang. Oh, it's Paul. It's like an aliens <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's. I like to see if I can get my guests to laugh before I introduce them. It's Paul. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on again. Yeah, dude. Movies from the heart, Paul. And uh, when you can get around to it, the animated podcast. We're recording on Monday. Are I'm you very excited about that? Jesus Christ! I haven't recorded an episode of Number One Comic Book since like fucking July. <laughs> I think it's been about the same time, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, happy to have you on, dude. 
Oh, I'm excited to be on it. It's been, like Jake said, it's been quite a fucking week, so I'm excited to to end the week with you guys. It's it's nice to have weeks where we got some stuff to talk about and we you know, like we got trailers and we got the you know, we got the WandaVision stuff. It's nice to have stuff like that. It's nice to have nice things, boys. Oh, definitely. It's it's hard when it's one of them slow weeks. Yeah it is. Yeah it is. All right. What was that what was that little squeaky noise there? That was me. What are you what are you what are you what are you what's going on there, creaky me creakers? I forgot one of the doors was open, and I started to hear the microwave, so I ran up to shut it real quick. Oh man, that was uh, very, very. That was like that was like a Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell moment for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm you didn't hear the microwave. I, you only heard the door. Only heard the door, Jake. So you did. You you almost completed that mission. Next time you go through it, you gotta you gotta you gotta grease up that door, a little WD forty. All right. No, nope. it was just like Metal Gear. You had the exclamation point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, then none of us would have been the wiser. Paul, you, Paul, did you hear the creaky squeaky? I did. Yeah, and I'm not supposed to say anything about the old creaky squeak. But see, that's the thing. I can't even say it. That's the thing. I know our listeners heard it, so I'm gonna fuck it. I gotta, I gotta fucking call it out. No, no, and I'm, I'm gonna admit to it because I don't want to be. Accused of being a liar when oh, it I know. Really isn't me. I know. So. Everybody's pointing the finger. Everybody's pointing the finger. <laughs> There's certain weeks where nobody wants to own up to it. Everybody's yeah, pointing the like, finger. I feel like I earned my truth equity by by owning up to it when it really is me. You did. You did. You pulled the bandages off real quick and you said, you know what? I got my little fucking tongue lashing from Brian and not in a sexual way. And if it was, it would be consensual because that's how Brian rolls. But you know what, Jake? You took it and you took it like a fucking man. <laughs> and you, I sighed. You. And I sighed a sigh of relief because then I knew for sure it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I would have gone a lot harder on you, Paul. Oh, I know. The, red, <laughs> the redheaded stepchild for sure, man. It would have been a mommy dearest moment. I would have been beating you with those wire hangers. <laughs> I can't believe I, that, that mommy dearest movie. I was watching that you don't know me, uh, documentary about the showgirls movie. And they were talking about like the critical reception to Mommy Dearest. And I had no idea that people hated that movie and critics hated that movie. Like I just remember watching it and being like, oh, my God, Joan Crawford was fucking crazy. And like I had no idea like when it came out, it had like it didn't have uh, good uh, critical reception, I guess. Yeah, I, I had no idea either. It's kind of a cult classic these days. So you just assume it was it was well received. Yeah. I watched that movie. Oh my god! When I watched that movie for the first time, I was like, "Holy shit!" It reminded me of growing up in my own home and my mother, and that oh, fucked. No. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like I, not. Yeah, in a way, yes. <laughs> I won't get into that, man. Oh my god! Some memories. Brian just it, comes running up. Fuck you, mom. Dude, it really did. It really did. Oh my god. Anyway, let's jump into iTunes reviews. I said that very excited. Here we go. We got uh, 
First uh, iTunes review comes from Jayster1970. And it's titled WW84. So it's a, you know, it's going to be a commentary on the recently HBO Max slash theatrical release of Wonder Woman 1984. It's a five star. And it goes on to say, just a thought on Wonder Woman 84. The dude who was possessed by Chris, he put Chris Line. He didn't put Chris Pine. <laughs> and he didn't even capitalize Line. It's a lowercase L. The dude who was possessed by Chris Line. It was <laughs> All right. I, I, I think that he meant Chris Pine. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet, Drake. <laughs> Do you, would you? I don't would, know, maybe he made Chris Line. Maybe he did. Well, you might be right, Jake. Start. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to lean that way. I don't know. Jenkins cut. There's more theories. I have to re-record the whole episode. There's more theories about this fucking iTunes review than there are Wad Division. And that's, <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, uh, just a thought uh, on the uh, Wonder Woman 84. The dude who was possessed by Chris Pine, I'm correcting it there, got the shaft. I mean, he wakes up not realizing he banged. He And then he capitalized banged. Not lying. What is going on here, dude? What, what, what? God, get out the red pen for this guy. Jesus Christ, no shit. <laughs> All right, Paul, would you hand this paper back if it was one of your students? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, I'd be really excited that my four-year-olds can spell banged and Chris Line, but yeah, you're giving me teacher anxiety right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he wakes up not realizing he banged Gal Gadot Several times. Just saying. So that's a, he feels like that is a, that's a travesty that this guy, he, he not, not aware that he was raped multiple times by a superhero. <laughs> that's the whole review. Yeah, that's the whole review. Gave us a five star. Wanted to throw it out there that, uh, that, uh, Chris, this the guy who was possessed by Chris Line, got the shaft. Actually, got the pussy. I know. <laughs> I know. That's a that's a low hanging fruit fruit joke there. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I was thinking it. I know we were all thinking it. Like, who's gonna say? It? Oh, fuck it, I'll say it. It's there. It's dangling right in front of us, just like his shaft <laughs> and both. What a weird place to talk about one of the more controversial moments of Wonder Woman 1984. It was right? such right a old iTunes. What if the dude and I, I brought this up on the review? What if the dude was gay though? Right? Even if he yeah. wasn't gay, even if I, I don't know, man. It's it, it is fucked up because she's a superhero though. Like that shouldn't have happened. Right? It's a hot button topic. I've seen lots of think pieces written about how wrong that whole like body identity thing was. It's wrong for anybody. It's wrong for anybody. But on the flip side, well, dude didn't remember it, but on the flip side, like, she's a superhero. She should have been like, I can't do this. This is fucked up. End of movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> for sure. This is the first guy I've seen have the opinion that the travesty is that he doesn't know what happened. Yeah, it's Jayster 1970. If you're born in 1970, like I think you're grandfathered into that thing where you don't get woke ever. I don't know. Is that it? <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you're 50, accurate. <laughs> if, you're, if, 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 if he was born in 1970, he's, he's, he's 51 now, 50 or 51. And I think you're kind of grandfathered into where it's like, you know, whatever. You know, you know what I mean? 
You, you could, <laughs> you fucking, if you want to, if you want to have the Archie Bunker point of view on things, people kind of like, all right, yeah, he's born in 1970. <laughs> what are you going to do? He's what, old. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right. So thank you, Jayster. <laughs> For that, <laughs> it was. It's a damn shame, isn't it, buddy? Buddy, bro. I don't know, man. That's a, it's a weird iTunes review. Jayster, there. Yeah, man. What a shame. What a shame, right, Jayster? What a shame. What a goddamn he doesn't shame. remember being raped. I know he doesn't remember multiple rapings from Wonder then Woman. It's okay if it's Gal Gadot. <laughs> do you think? Do you think she? Do you think she like fucking like? You know, non-consensually fucking wrap that lasso of truth around his neck and started choking him out and shit during sex. 100%. Wouldn't that be fucked up if she went to work and came back and Chris Pine had fucking accidentally hung himself with, you know, with like auto-erotic asphyxiation with that lasso? (laughs) With the lasso of truth. With the lasso of truth, dude. He's hanging there from the lasso. Kung Fu style. (laughs) The truth always comes out and she had to find out the hard way. But it would have just been that fucking dude's body that 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 guy would have died. Yeah, that would have been terrible. Because fucking uh, Chris Pine wanted to use his body to jerk off (laughs) while being hung. Or he gets arrested by, like, the military for commandeering a jet that he wasn't supposed to. And he has no idea about even doing that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, we got you on. Be camera. uncomfortable Fed visit the next day. Yeah, we got you on camera, dude. You what? I love how that movie starts on on the Fourth of July and it ends at Christmas. All of a sudden, yeah, dude, that's bizarre. It does not seem like six months went by. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> Dope. this this review really made us think. Thank you, Jayster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we, we talk put, about big pieces. Yeah, we we, t- we put a lot more thought into like our discussion about this than Jaster ever put into that fucking review. He was just going for a joke about yeah. like a rape joke, like oh, but it's Gal Gadot, it's okay, and we yeah. get real fucking deep about it. Exactly, man. You know, I would have liked to have remembered being raped by Gal Gadot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. Next one's titled Very Old Nerds Indeed. It's a five star and it comes from J-D-J-H-D-S-Y-H-S-H-S-H-H-X-J-X-J-F-I-F-O-E-O-O-E-O-E. Bullshit. You got kind of Jerry Lewis with that. J-X-E. I enjoy the podcast. My favorite part is the seemingly normal beginning and gradual. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's nothing normal about this beginning, Jack. I think the first like three sentences are normal. Oh yeah. Well, hi, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast. <laughs> and then, yeah, that part. yeah, that's it. Anyway, and gradual descent. Into drunken madness. Drunk Brian and uh, the other ones are an absolute delight throughout, despite them being old nerds. I love the podcast and its wonderful hosts, Brian and uh, Jake. That's his name. Pancake. It ends with pancake for some reason. So there's what is a going on this week well, on iTunes reviews. I don't know. A lot going on here. Likes the <laughs> dr- likes the drunken madness, and then can't 
and then refers to last week's iTunes review about the old nerds. Thought that was funny. I'm going to bring it up here again. And then uh, has a hard time remembering uh, your name. Ah, oh, Jake. I'm going to end it with pancake. And uh, has, waffle. Yeah, waffle. <laughs> French toast. Flapjacks. At least they at least say bacon pancake for the bumper, at least. Oh, yeah, the bacon pancake bumper. Yeah, that's true. At least say bacon pancake. Then it makes at sense. Least. Uh, did he just say pancake because it rhymes with Jake? I'm thinking that's what he did. Okay. You're a fucking nine-year-old. I don't know what's going on in this review. Thank you for the five. <laughs> we go from unwoke 51-year-old. No to, shit. Uh, we go from Archie Bunker to fucking Punky Brewster. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> uh, I tried some of his freestyle raps on the iTunes reviews. Yeah. So thank you for, for those, everyone. We appreciate the iTunes reviews. We appreciate them when they're coherent as well. So I don't know, throwing that out there. Yeah, it's always nice. I don't know. Yeah, just throw them out there when they make sense and don't involve rape. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> Jaster1970. Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, uh, we got a Greenland contest. Um, Greenland, starring Gerard Butler, Marina Baccarin, and Scott Glenn, and starring this pulse-pounding disaster thriller, Greenland, when a planet-killing comet races towards Earth. A father and his family make a perilous journey to their only hope for sanctuary while encountering the best and worst in humanity as the countdown to global apocalypse approaches zero. You can own Greenland today on digital Blu-ray and DVD, which includes deleted scenes, feature commentary with director Rick Roman Waugh, and much more. And we're going to be giving five physical copies of the movie right now to our winners here. Let me find out who's going to be the first winner of Greenland. All right. Oh, shit. Who's it going to be? Joe Ruhak. You're our first winner. You're our first winner. Guys, and listen, everybody in the Discord, I don't need the timestamp for when I go over the winners. I just need the names of the winners. I don't need the fucking timestamp. I just need to know who the winners are. All right? Thank you, everybody on Discord. All right. They always give me the timestamp for when I talk about the winners. It's like, now just tell me who the winners are. I only need the timestamp for when I initially announce the contest, Jake. Yes. That's crazy. Uh, that's nice. Going above yeah. and beyond. Yeah. Joe Ruhock, you win. You're a big winner here today. Second winner is going to be There's a Cottonelle ad right before this, Jake. Cottonelle. All you, right. I know. I used to, I, I switched over to Cottonelle, Jake. Mm, I'm a quilted northern guy. Ah, it's a little too soft for me. I need something. I need something. I need it soft, but on the flip side, I do need something that's gonna get, get, get in there and do, get the job done. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm not, a public school teacher, so I'm used to one ply. Oh, that Ooh. one ply. Ah, oh, man, you gotta wad that shit up so much, <laughs> big time. And then when and then when you start like and then when you push it up there, and it starts to fold. It almost disappears up your butthole. It's almost, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, I, I, thought, I thought I pulled off half the roll and I, I think I lost it inside me. You feel like the Joker when you're asking, want to see this toilet paper disappear? 
<laughs> yeah, I got that, dude. I feel I'm Captain America in that meme. I got that reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next winner she is. Started to laugh, so I knew I was okay. Ooh, our next winner is like, shut up, Paul. I got to hear my name, dude. <laughs> our next winner was like, oh my god, Paul. I was so close to hearing my name, and you started fucking shit up. Dude, our fucking uh, dude, our next winner, Paul, is calling you out in a in a contest for bare knuckle boxing in their backyard. Oh no! I know they want to. <laughs> anyway, please I'm, don't be Joe Stark. It's not Joe Stark. It's it's Jim Irving. Jim Irving is the 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 winner of the second copy of Greenland. I'll find out who number three is. Mm. Exciting, isn't it, Jake? Riveting. Monica Garola. Last right. name rhymes with granola. <laughs> Monica Granola. You're like that iTunes reviewer now. Yeah. Pancake. Pancake. Jake. Jake. <laughs> Pancake. Winner number four is, and this guy deserves it, Mr. Eric Marable. All yes. Right. Mr. Eric Marable. He's the guy, he's the guy who made us those awesome helmets, Jake. Yes, yes. He likes to draw penises a lot. Likes to draw cocks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He does. Enjoys <laughs> it. <laughs> Probably will draw a penis on the Greenland Blu-ray, which is available now on digital. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> what an ad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and hey, that was four, right? So we got one more? Yes. One, one more. more big fucking winner for the Greenland. And the last person to win here. Is gotta be Joshua Jarzab. Joshua Jarzab. You're the winner of the Greenland Blu-ray. There you go. Deleted scenes and commentary with the director. What's his fucking Rick Roman Wah? <laughs> <laughs> Really put some mustard on that. Yeah, one. I did. Yeah, I did. I just super excited, man. Super excited for all of our Greenland winners today, guys. We're gonna be doing it a little bit different this week. We're gonna be talking about Wandavision first. We're gonna be going over the latest episode of Wandavision, and the reason being is because I I feel like by the end of the episodes when we do it, Jake, like last week we did that thing where we talked about it at the end. And we didn't record it out of order. But I get so goddamn drunk on these things that all I do is fucking slur and talk about Mephisto for fucking an hour. And so we're going to do it a little bit differently. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's jump into our WandaVision. And this is going to full-on spoilers for WandaVision Episode 7 here. Here's the uh, the bumper kids. WandaVision. 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 All right. WandaVision gets the best of them. Uh, <laughs> episode seven titled Breaking the Fourth Wall. And uh, this is set in the mid to late 2000s settings. I don't know about you guys, but I did, of course, I think everybody got the Modern Family feel. I watched, like, the first, like, three or four seasons of Modern Family, and then it just became, like, 
we're going to make 10 or 11 seasons of this thing. And I just kind of said, fuck it. And I dropped off. But the, the first three, four seasons of Modern Family were quite fun. And I enjoyed them. Um, it felt like a Modern Family feel a little bit of like the, I don't know, a little bit of it felt the way it was filmed, like Arrested Development at times. But it mostly it was modern family with like the confessionals and stuff like that. And I felt like the, the opening, uh, reminded me, the visuals reminded me of that, uh, of that happy ending show that came out in like 2010 or 11 or something like that. So, but, uh, the music kind of reminded me of the American office. I don't uh, know if that's the vibe they were going for. Hmm. That's what I got. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I guess I can hear that. I just didn't think office because it wasn't like a family show. It was more like a work, you know, space comedy. I was thinking. Yeah. Just, just the theme song sure. was what really hit me. Uh, I tell you what, Paul, have we had you on to talk about WandaVision? Yeah. Yeah. I was on for the debut of the bumper. Where, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> Where, uh, like what? What's been your, you know, feelings about like the last few episodes? And Man, I've and been loving one. it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. and this one. Go ahead. Um, I've been absolutely loving it. I have no shame in saying when they announced there was going to be a Wanda Vision TV show that I was jumping up and down and saying, "Yeah, I can't wait." Um, but I have been very excited for, you know, for Friday morning and this has been such a fun ride with the way they're able to throw so much at you and just keep you guessing. And a lot of the fun is, is, is making the predictions and then finding out you're way wrong most of the time. But it's, uh, it, it's been an absolute blast to watch and see all the pieces start to fall in place. And this episode, I think really did a great job of setting up the next two, uh, final episodes of at least this season or series. Yeah. We're going to, yeah. Like I said, we're going to be jumping into spoilers. What did you think? Because uh, I'm going to be jumping into those real soon. What did uh, What did you think about this particular episode, Paul? Oh, well, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I've I've I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it was awesome to kind of play off of what was happening in episode six. You know, like it really kind of continued on that, and then just the whole reveal at the end was awesome and I'm and I'm loving the twins in this. Um I'm loving Tommy and Billy. Um and I think Catherine Hahn is just I'm so glad she's finally kind of like in the mainstream right now. I mean like Mrs. Fletcher was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think Jake watched her on Parks and Rec. She was great in that. She's been great in a lot of stuff she's been in. So it's really cool to see her name kind of being brought up a lot especially this week and i think we're really going to be able to see her sink her teeth in the next two episodes so i i I absolutely love this one um definitely is trying to set everything up but i had a blast seeing you know what darcy's doing and um everybody else it was awesome what'd you think jake this episode was okay i mean i liked it quite a lot but it definitely had that setup vibe to it and I was just kind of waiting for the ball to drop. Um, I did love the um, the reveal, the Agatha Harkness reveal. I love that she had her own like theme song right in the middle of the episode when that happened. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Um, but yeah, this one just really got me itching for eight and nine, and it wasn't like my favorite episode. It might have been my least favorite episode. Yeah, um, I'm leaning towards you, Jake. I think it. 
even last week I wasn't, you know, if I was rating last week, I'd give it a taste it. I, even a, even a not so great WandaVision episode is still really good. I guess I'm rating them against themselves at this I point. I'm thinking the same thing. It's a, almost the curve. Like, yeah. this is a Tupperware, but compared to the other episodes, I guess it's a high taste. Right, 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 right. And that's how I felt about this one because I feel like now that we're getting into these episodes where we've opened up the story, you know, they started opening up the story in episode four. And now that they've had, they have to do like eighties, nineties, you know, mid two thousands, two thousands, tens, whatever. Like they've been bouncing back and forth between like what's going on outside of Westview, what's going on inside Westview. So we're not really watching the show. And I feel like a lot of the story stuff has to take place in the episode. And sometimes it can take away from the actual like experience of just watching WandaVision as a viewer, you know, like the actual show WandaVision within the show. And I felt like that's, I felt like that's what happened. That there's no way around it though. You've got to incorporate these story plot points now. And I feel like they're trying to do it the best that they can. I just don't think that it works as well as like when they first did it without you know, like all the outside influence of the characters being involved in all this. That being said, I did enjoy the episode quite a bit. And yeah, big reveal here with um, this episode where we find out that uh, Agatha is is behind everything. And um, I think honestly, if I were to take a guess, I think the first thing that we hear next week um, on the show is previously on Agatha all along and it will be an episode 100% dedicated to Agatha Harkness and this story. It it'll start to blend in with like where we are now maybe towards the end, but we might get a whole episode of seeing her like and we kind of saw that in this episode um where we saw like how she was pulling the strings and things like that. So I guess we can say now, at this point in the story, that everybody that thought that it was Wanda, it's all Wanda, is <laughs> is wrong? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, but is it all Agatha? Is it all Agatha Harkness? Or is there someone else maybe behind yeah, everybody's like, here goes Brian on Mephisto again. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, is it all is it all Agatha Harkness, Jake? No, no way. It, there's no way. I, I'm surprised at how many articles and people I see saying, "Oh, the main villain has finally been revealed." Oh, the main the person causing all this has finally been revealed. I'm like, really? At the end of episode seven, that's that's it. Now it's just well, Agatha the, they were versus... the same. They were the same people the week before. Not all of them, but most of them were the same people the week before, saying it's all Wanda. It's all Wanda. It's all Wanda. See, that was always crazy to me, too, because I don't think – to me, it felt like the show was never trying to hide the fact that it wasn't all Wanda. Like, that didn't even feel like a mystery to me. Well, and then to have a – see, here's the thing. You've got a, a character who's a hero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and for – at the end of the day, for her to be the big bad villain at the end of this, dealing with, like, you know, postmortem depression and stuff like that, it just didn't seem right to me. Right? I can understand she's going through all this. But I felt like she was being manipulated at the end of the day. And I just don't know if it's like the right move for Marvel to be like, yeah, this, you know, she lost vision. She lost her brother. And like, like, 
let's make her the villain. And maybe we've even speculated that in the past. I think I have. Like, that could be the thing here. But, like, as the show started playing out, I started to think, I don't think she's behind this. Because there was the theory, like, even before the show came out, like, oh, she might be the big bad going into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. But as it's played out, man, I I, I don't know. And I, I still don't think Agatha is behind everything. Paul, are you in that camp that Agatha's behind everything, pulling the strings? No, I am not in that camp. Um, I, if you don't mind, like I, I kind of came up with this theory doing crazy research and insomnia induced craziness last week when I actually watched it when it dropped and I mm-hmm. saw something and went with it and did a lot of research. Um, I actually think uh, Baron Von Zemo is behind this. Wow. Wow. Or he might have a little bit to say, but I think it makes sense seeing as he is going to be the next villain in the next TV show that's going to be hitting Disney+. Plus. But this um, can't, was supposed to come out after Falcon and Winter okay. Soldier. But that could well, still I work, right? That. Well, yeah, it would... <laughs> This uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out first. Okay. Um, I, I, and, and I want to hear your theory. I do want to hear your theory. Okay. But, yeah, before before I dissect your theory. <laughs> um, oh, it's going to be ripped apart. I know. It. <laughs> well, no, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. All right. So um, in the last episode, they are um, – her and Pietro are outside of a movie matinee and – the movies that are playing are The Incredibles yes. and The Parent Trap. And a lot of people and, have been saying The Incredibles is like a, a Fantastic Four thing. Yeah, well, it's about a family coming together uh, to do the right thing. And it is, and The Parent Trap is about a family coming together as well. So in my craziness, I took uh, The Incredibles 2004 and then the first uh, Parent Trap, which came out in 1961, and I subtracted the years. Oh my god! And I got six. And in Avengers six, Baron von Zemo comes out and introduces the Masters of Evil to take over against. Um, well, how many sides are in a hexagon? Too six. Six, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. And then I also did uh, 2004 minus 1998, which is when the Dennis Quaid version came out, and. Avengers uh, 43 doesn't have much, but X-Men 43 has um, – it's right after the heels of Charles Xavier dying mm-hmm. where the X-Men are totally distraught, where Magneto comes back to take his uh, kids back under his influence. And he does, but they are un- like they are not totally for it and – Right now we have an Avengers team where Iron Man has been, you know, Iron Man's gone and Captain America is now old man Cap. And in all the research I've done, Paul Bettany has not worked with Michael Fassbender. That's true. That's true. He said, though, in OK, and we're going to let yeah, you blew that whole theory apart today at two o'clock when you sent me that article. <laughs> Do you want to go over that now, Jake? Yeah, might as well. Okay. All right. So Paul Bettany, I think, let me pull this up, actually. It was an article that I had read from comicbook.com. And um, <laughs> it was, Paul Bettany was at Asia Pop Comic Con Manila in 2015. And he named three actors who inspired him growing up. And 
before this season started, he did an interview, I think with Variety, saying that, you know, we're going to meet somebody. There's a surprise actor that's going to be showing up here, somebody I've never worked with before, but somebody that I've always wanted to work with. But uh, And that kind of threw out the theory of Doctor Strange because they have worked together. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm, st- I still think that Dr. Strange could show up by the final episode. I'm not counting that out at all. I, I, I do think that Dr. Strange could show up in this series, but I still think that there's another actor here that could show up in this series and could be the big bad behind everything going for, uh, you know, in this series. Um, he named three actors at, uh, Asia Pop Comic Con that, he, that, he, who inspired him growing up. Uh, Robert De Niro. Marlon Brando, who's passed away, and Al Pacino. And so now there is this speculation because in a 2014 interview with MTV, Pacino said he was really impressed with that year's Guardians of the Galaxy and said he's ready to go to Marvel. Now, The article goes on to say, reacting to the viral response over his appreciation of the James Gunn-directed Marvel blockbuster in another interview with MTV, Pacino said, why wouldn't I like a movie like that? Why wouldn't I appreciate a movie like that? I'm not necessarily going to be in it, but at the same time, there's value to it, and you can see it. Pacino then confirmed he met with Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige, saying of his meeting with the producer... I would imagine either there's something he feels is right for me or interrupted by a phone call. Pacino quipped every time we talk about Marvel, that's what happens. So, um, there are a lot of people saying, you know, Al Pacino played Satan in the devil's advocate. Maybe that actor that Paul Bettany is talking about that he's never worked with before that he really admires and has always wanted to work with could be, Al Pacino playing the role of possibly Nightmare or Mephisto. I'm throwing this theory out there right now, and I want to know your thoughts on this one, Jake. I think it's really cool. I I could see it, too. I remember those 2014 interviews where Pacino was just gushing about Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think we talked about then, you know, what we would like to see Pacino do in the Marvel Universe. And, uh, yeah, maybe it's a little on the nose that he would kind of like be Satan again. It's a little but, on the nose that fucking we've got Evan Peters playing Quicksilver again, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. But I could see it and I, I'm not against it. I think Pacino is fantastic. We know he's not beneath TV anymore. He was just in a uh, what what streaming network was Hunters. It? Amazon Prime. It, he was on the show Hunters on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah, so we know it's not beneath him, and I could very much see this, especially because it's kind of a lead-in role. It won't be the only time we see Pacino as Mephisto, if that's what they do. Like, he's obviously going to be in in other things, and possibly movies in the future as well. So, yeah, I, I very much think this would be awesome, and I, I do see there being a chance that it could be him. What do you think, Paul? Oh, yeah, I think it's totally plausible and it'd be kudos to marvel for bringing in al pacino completely unannounced you know like no no like rumors or anything or or any like uh breaking news that this guy was brought in to be on a the first disney plus show that uh has actually aired so i i would definitely 
be all for it. I think he would have a lot of fun sinking his teeth into an over the top character. I think if if episode nine is titled Hua, Jake, I think we've got our answer. Um, uh, yeah, it's more likely Pacino than Brando's corpse. That, that, well, <laughs> that'd be that, I know that'd be fucked up, dude. Hey, they they brought they brought back Grandma Tarkin. <laughs> yes, and they're bringing back James Dean, right? Yeah, there's somebody bringing back James Dean. For a movie, right? That's fucked up. Fuck. <laughs> I kind of like Jake's idea better than Pacino. <laughs> they should they should just have a movie called The League of Extraordinary Dead Gentlemen, where they bring back all these dead actors. I like it. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be better than <laughs> the other League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Well, they could bring back Sean Connery now, too. I, was, I didn't know if I should <laughs> say that or not. <laughs> I know. Hashtag too soon. I get it. <laughs> uh yeah so uh this episode let, let well, we might even talk about Pacino again um but uh Wanda at the beginning of this episode she needs kind of like a day off and Agnes agrees to you know babysit Tommy and Billy and we can kind of see like parts of her house are changing and and she can't control them and uh didn't it feel like she maybe she's after this last kind of like expansion of uh Westview this whole this whole reality that uh she's kind of stretched her powers a little thin and I I remember last week I kept saying like she she's she might be stretching her powers too thin it might be the perfect time for maybe a villain to pounce Yeah I agree it, it definitely seems like she's losing a bit of control I thought one of the funniest gags of the episode was her sniffing the milk to see if it was okay after yeah. changing. Yeah. Well, it changed back into like a 1950s like, you know, glass bottle of milk. <laughs> so she had every right to check it. Um who was the kid that was missing on the back of the milk carton? It was blurred. Heard? It was blurred. And okay. I don't I don't know if that was like like one of those moments like in like maybe maybe by the next episode if we look at that milk bottle or the milk carton that it would actually have Tommy and Billy on there now you know yeah oh i was thinking it that definitely too it looked like one of the twins it looked like a it looked like a boy with hair i mean i okay yeah you're right <laughs> it was it was blurred and so yeah it definitely could be one of them it definitely could be. it looked like Bill, if if i had to guess it looked like billy but, you know, it just looked like a blurred boy with hair. <laughs> so, yeah, we know he, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, we got Darcy in there now. I loved how last week, did you guys notice this? And I, I think I'm right. When, when, when Westview started expanding and it started to engulf her, she starts off by wanting to say the word fuck. But as soon as she goes over into like the PG world that they're in, it comes out fudge. Was I, did I hear that correctly? Yes. Yes. I thought that that was kind of smart. Oh, very. I liked it a lot too. Yeah. It reminded yeah. me of Sam Jackson at the end of infinity war. Um, when he's about to say fuck. Yes. And he gets dusted away. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, we got, uh, yeah, Darcy's in this one. I loved how, you know, she was handcuffed to the truck and then like they, when we come into this world, now we see Darcy, she's been chained up and she's like the escape artist. 
I just loved how they worked that in there. And the guy that she punched in the face was the same guy for the previous episode that actually handcuffed her to the vehicle. So I thought that that was like a nice little payback. I like that. Oh, nice. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Um, let's see here. Let's talk about, we'll talk about Monica Rambo in this episode. Definitely, uh, is, Definitely has her powers, has not really used them or showcased them, but we saw her eyes turn blue when she passed through. We saw that the, oh, that armored vehicle has been made for her, and we got, um, the reveal here from what was, uh, it was Major Goodner. Do you, do you think that Major Goodner was the one, the aerospace engineer, or do you think that Major Goodner just delivered it there from the aerospace engineer? And that's still the latter. Yeah. Okay. So we still don't know who the aerospace engineer is. A lot of people speculating, of course, Reed Richards. I don't know. That's where I kind of like, I guess, draw the line when it comes to everything. I think like if they're introducing things like Mephisto possibly, um, and it feels like they're still introducing maybe possibly the, the birth of mutants or the introduction of mutants and the introduction of the multiverse all on this show. I, I think to introduce also the Fantastic Four, it just seems like t- way too much going on for just one show to introduce all these things. Like what's what's left, you know, at the end of the day, if you introduce Reed Richards already into this, I, uh, it just sounds it just seems a little too much to me. Yeah, I I, I think if it's going to go into Fantastic Four universe, that it's more likely going to be D- Doctor Doom than Reed Richards. Hmm. So, but I agree that it, that's an awful lot to yeah. put on the plate of WandaVision to set up everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I could have sworn she said when she was talking about the engineer, the aerospace engineer, that she said him, that she used like. Yes, it's my guy. She, my guy. Yeah. My guy. There you go. So, um, let's see here. Let, let you know, I've got a lot that I want to talk about in this episode. I definitely want to be talking about the commercial here in a moment, but. I did get some WandaVision emails that I want to go over. Let's start off with this one. Uh, who did this? Who sent this one? Yeah, it was Andrew Kay. Hey, Brian, after listening to this week's WandaVision coverage and whenever someone talks about Mephisto in the MCU, I always think of one comic panel that sums him up from the Spider-Man One More Day storyline. I sent you guys that uh, that panel. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in the panel, he says, I'm nothing if not efficient. He's freaking Mephisto. For all we know, he's got Wanda thinking she has control over the town, but he's really playing us, the audience, by playing her. He likes to turn into red things, right? Red herring has red right in the name. Uh, one other point, as the biggest meta casting touch the world has ever seen, can you imagine if Mephisto ends up being Kevin Feige? <laughs> Come on, knock it off, Get dude. Get out of here. Get out of here. Even if he morphed into Kevin for a split second just to say it was me all along, that is not happening. No. If it's any filmmaker, it's going to be Josh Whedon. Uh, <laughs> stop. Not, let's not talk about Whedon. <laughs> One more point about Pietro. Wanda's little world follows TV rules, so it makes perfect sense that X-Men Pietro would have Sokovian Pietro's memories. Like Darcy said, he was recast. So just like Darren and Bewitched or Becky and Roseanne, of course, he would have uh, have Pietro's memories. I think this episode kind of shows us where this Pietro kind of came from 
in a way we we can't a hundred percent say, but like when we get the um it was Agatha all around uh, all along theme song we we do see Agatha um you know throughout uh, her time in Westview using her purple glowy magic. And we see the purple glowing magic on the back of this new Pietro. And so he's even under the influence of Agatha. So, like, yes, Wanda is in control of a lot of what's going on in this world. But there are those things like that we've been saying, like, oh, that just doesn't feel like Wanda. That doesn't feel like Wanda. And we're finding out that those are things that are being influenced by, by Agatha. And we saw Pietro's been influenced by Agatha. Wanda herself admitted that she she didn't know she was surprised when her brother showed up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like and I still feel like that this Pietro is the Pietro from the Fox multiverse where I 100% we're going to be getting I'm going to be getting into my theories of the multiverse. I think it was definitely uh hinted at in this episode and I do think like this is I do think that that is Pietro from the Fox universe and I'm fuck it. Let's just dive right into that. The commercial that we got in this is for a antidepressant pill called Nexius. And basically it says something like, you know, take Nexius and you can, what was it? Like you can, you can confront your, your sadness, you can be sad. What, 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 like, what was all that going on in the commercial? Yeah, I think you're talking about the side effects was when they said all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, yes. your destiny, Thank possibly you. more depression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in the Marvel Universe, the Nexus definition is a nexus being is, in a sense, a living version of the nexus of all realities. A person so powerful that they can alter the fundamental probabilities of the universe, essentially rewriting reality. A person who is essentially the focal point of the universe. Oh, shit. Well, in the comics, Wanda is the nexus being. Meaning that in all the different realities and all the different multiverses, there is one prime being and that prime being is Wanda. Wanda is the same in all the universes, whether that means there's multiple Wandas, which I don't think there is. I think there's just the one Wanda and she's just the constant in, in, in the universe. She's the Nexus prime, the Nexus. She is the Nexus being. Even in the commercial, it says the world doesn't revolve around you or does it? It asks that question. And, and, um, I think that Wanda is the nexus being. She's the one who, unbeknownst to her, I think that it, she, she controls all the different multiverses. And I think with her extending her powers and weakening them at the same time, she's kind of left the door open for the multiverse. And I think maybe that book we see at the end of the episode might be how Agatha Harkness was able to pull Pietro from the Fox universe into this universe. And then she gives him 
the purple magic shit. And then now all of a sudden he takes on a lot of the memories of the Pietro from the MCU universe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking that it wasn't X-Men Pietro until this episode. I I'm right there with you. This episode kind of swayed me the other way again. Well, last and, um, the week before I was like all about it. You know, Agatha is the right hand man of Mephisto. And then last week I conceded and said, Oh no, she's, she's good. And she honestly, at the end of the day, she might be, she might be helping somebody do this for her own gain or something. Uh, we don't know what she's getting out of this deal. If, if she is being manipulated or, or there is like another puppet master behind all this, if it's not Agatha all along, if there's somebody else behind the scenes that's doing these things, she might, like in the comics, she might become good. We might even see her, like, doesn't, she dies in the comics, becomes a ghost and still talks to Wanda. Yeah, I, I mean, believe that's correct. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I thought there was a good chance that she was helping the bad guy, but I was surprised that she was like reveling in it so much. Like I didn't think she was like, yay, I'm doing all this stuff. I, that was a turn I did not expect. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like Wanda, we thought Wanda, everybody thought Wanda's the director of this whole show. She's the showrunner. And now we're finding out that maybe she's just a producer and there might be some other people that are like, you know, behind the scenes doing some other things in this WandaVision show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I also think it's very fortunate that Fox never cast a, a Scarlet Witch character like they did Quicksilver. Like that really helps this storyline. They had, they, they did at one of the, uh, the end of the, I think it was, it, it was either, I think it might have been Apocalypse, but I could be wrong. It, it could have been, uh, Days of Future Past. But at the end of one of those movies, we do see, I think it was Apocalypse. <laughs> we do see him with his, with, with his sister Wanda. She's, she's, Years younger than him. They're like sitting in a living room watching TV and she's years younger than him. Yeah. So we yeah, did. That was Days of Future Past. Okay. Days of Future Past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that still holds up with the, the prime theory because it's just, it's, she's way younger. She could grow up to still be the same exact Wanda. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, I think they're going to take whatever they fucking want to from the, from these things. If people want to, you know, argue about that, they can, you know. Yeah, there's bigger anomalies going on in the MCU than that. That's yeah, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I honestly, I still think that Agatha, Agatha was the one that maybe with, maybe with Wanda's powers kind of like weakened because she's like extended the boundaries of West of this reality. It's given like a like an entryway. Well, that happened even before. I still think with, with Wanda doing this and and being a part of this, that it's opened the door for the multiverse for some of these other magic characters. And Agatha was able to pull Pietro out of the Fox universe. I just can't see them not introducing the multiverses, especially with this fucking Nexius commercial, which if you dig into Nexius in, in the Marvel universe, it's a living a nexus, a nexus being is the living version of the nexus of all realities. And in the comics, it's Wanda. She's the prime nexus being. I, I think that this is all setting up the multiverses. And we know that, and I've said this before, Mephisto has created other versions of himself, of himself in other realities. 
So that way, if he dies in one reality, he still exists in another. And so, I mean, I still think that that's a, that's, you know, definitely something that could be going on here. A lot of people are saying like the people that were seeing the woman and like sometimes the man we saw him in like the Hydra watch commercial. Um, they're saying that the, the people in the commercial are her parents. Have you guys seen that theory? I have. No, I, I'm not buying it. Yeah, would they, yeah, they, maybe they'd have to, I, do you think that they will, they will go with Magneto being her father? It's been changed so many, it's been retconned so many times in the comics. I, I, I lean towards no, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. Like they could possibly want, I mean, it's such a big popular character that maybe at the end they decide that that's what they want to do, but mm-hmm. I lean towards no. After staying up and doing all that math, I hope to God it's Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. Another thing that I wanted to talk about is... Here's something. I, th- this is something I thought about even before the episode. I kept thinking, like, now that this is happening with, you know, Agatha being the villain, and, you know, there's been kind of like this... You know, people can make comparisons to like certain things going on in these episodes, comparing it to The Wizard of Oz. And in The Wizard of Oz, we had Glenda the Good Witch. And then, you know, we had the Wicked Witch. And I keep thinking to myself, so maybe is Agatha the Wicked Witch? And could we find out that maybe Dottie is the Good Witch? Maybe, mm, maybe. She was the one that had like the tea party. Yeah, yeah. She's the one that, yeah, the, the ladies group, you know. She did mm. say to Wanda, like, you know, I don't trust you. But like, could she be like this version of Glenda the Good Witch? Like, you'd think like, now they've introduced, you know, Agatha Harkness as like the other witch in this. Maybe Wanda needs an ally, somebody to tell her like what's going on. Maybe that's Dottie. I mean, isn't that Photon at this point? Well, uh, Spectrum. I would call her Spectrum. Okay, okay. Based on, like, because what we saw from her powers, but I suppose, yeah. I mean, she kind of shut her down, though. I don't know, maybe... She's definitely the one trying to explain to Wanda what's going on, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, it was just a theory I had. Maybe, maybe Dottie, maybe there's a little bit more to Dottie's story that we haven't gotten to. Yeah, I I could see it. I mean, she's definitely a known actress, and they might want to use her again. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Wanda's power kind of glows red. We've we've seen that in a bunch of the movies, and then now we're finding out that Agatha Harkness' powers glow purple. Did you notice that book at the end of the episode? Yes, it was glowing orange. The book, it kind of looks like the, like the Necronomicon or something. Yeah, yeah. It was, I remember it was being orangish yellow type of color. It was an orange. It was an, it was glowing orange. So that's a different, I mean, (laughs) could it, I don't know. Could that, whoever's glowing orange, could that be the true villain of WandaVision? I don't know. (laughs) Paul, what's your math say? (laughs) <laughs> my mouth says to shut the fuck up, Paul. <laughs> no, like, it, like, isn't there a book? I, I thought I saw a quick article, or I mean, like a, you know, like a headline. Like, isn't there like a book in that lore called the Hold or something? Darkhold. 
Darkhold, yes. Yes. So is that the Darkhold? Uh, let's look this up. Darkhold. Yeah, Darkhold. Marvel Cinematic Universe Wiki. It's also known as the Book of Sins or the Book of Spells. It's an ancient book of spells and unbreak un- unspeakable power. The book is made of dark matter from the hell dimension. Hmm. There's no way that was that's involved because that was a major player in the Agents of Shield television show. And there's just no fucking way that they're tying it into that. Okay. I mean, I'm going to stop with my. I'm going to stop with my theories now. No, I mean, I'm glad you brought that. (laughs) I I wasn't trying to be rude at all, Paul. No, 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 no. No, I did not take it that way at all. I just, I feel like I'm striking out anytime I try to make a prediction on this show. No, and you're not striking. Nothing's been, nothing's set in stone. And you know what I mean? Nothing is set in stone for what we're saying. Like every, every one of these, you know, predictions are valid. You know, I mean, what did you guys make of Billy who he's talking about like hearing all these like voices and noises at the beginning of the episode and he's wanting to, he wanted to go to his mother for help. He's hearing a lot of voices and it seems like he's hearing voices from people that are basically under her control, probably screaming to get out. And he says he, he's, you know, petting the rabbit, and he says he hears no voices from the rabbit. And then Billy says he he looks at Agatha, and he says, "I hear no voices from you." So, like that was like kind of like our first, I guess, like one of the first tip offs that like you know she's in complete Agatha's in complete control of like her actions and what she's doing. But what about the fucking rabbit? Is it just because it's just a rabbit or, you know, like, is there something going on with all these animals that we keep seeing in these episodes, Jake? Like, is there something going on here? We know Mephisto can take forms of like different, you know, animals and creatures and change like the way he looks in the comics. And we even see that cicada and like anytime you see like, a fly or a cicada or something like that in a horror movie, you always think of like demon possession and all that shit. Like, I don't know. I mean, just throwing it out there. I think there is something up with that rabbit. I don't know if it's someone that Agatha, like, you know, got into a fight with previously and turned into a rabbit or, or I'm not sure what's going on, but I do think there's something up with that rabbit and it's more than just set dressing. Okay. So like we haven't met Ralph yet, her husband. Yeah, maybe the rabbit is Ralph. Yeah. You know, I do think there is something with the animals because I think she, I think there's a reason why Sparky died and she was the one that was there when Sparky died. And she kind of puts that in her song too to kind of cement how evil she is. But now I do kind of feel like maybe there is something with the animals in, in, um, in Westview. Let's see here. Um, I had I had another email that I wanted to go over here. And let me Yeah, this one. Uh this one comes from Jerry. And it's titled Agatha is not the big bad. Just watch episode 7. I feel Marvel was trolling us with the engineer telling us how important this person was. This was my least favorite episode of the series. 
It was slow in execution and the Darcy Vision stuff was a big letdown. Agatha is revealed at the end is not surprise, is not surprise, but she is not the big. She is doing things to get back her son who is the rabbit. She will do whatever it takes to get him back. She made the deal with Mephisto. Nexus commercial is how we get the, the multiverse. I agree with that. So Westview has to be the nexus of realities for the MCU. In the comics, the nexus of realities is in a swamp in Florida, guarded by Man-Thing. Love to hear your guys' thought, uh, guys' thoughts. Jerry in Niceville. So, um, I agree with Jerry that the uh, Vision Darcy storyline was kind of the biggest slog of the episode. I know that's not what we're mostly talking about right this second, sure. but it it was kind of a letdown. Like it was just silly and kind of filler them just being stuck at that stoplight with things happening over and over again yeah they had to keep vision away from the house and just give wanda her own episode as far as like being away from vision before we get the confrontation with those two again which i don't think we might not get that until the final episode unless there is a secret 10th episode that we don't know about but um what do you think about this stuff about uh she that uh Agatha made a deal with Mephisto to get uh, to get her son back, who is now the rabbit. I like that a lot. That, that's a that's a better explanation of the rabbit than I think we had thought of so far. That and that's why she's like keeping tabs on it. That it's her son, and he needs to be changed back. And but it just doesn't make sense why she would go into a I'm so satisfied song and dance about everything I've done moment if she's doing it kind of against her will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think she's that possessed by whatever. Like, I, I do think she is taking some enjoyment or expects to get some power by the end of this for her to be so satisfied that she's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh... Let's see here. That's a that was, that was a good email, Jerry. Um, it was it was a great email. Here is. I'll read this one. This comes from uh, Rodney Pena. I have been doing some thinking on WandaVision and the push for this to bring out mutants. I agree heavily with Jake on the importance of preserving the origins of many of the X Men characters. I do agree with you in that some new mutants. Uh, might begin to show up due to Wanda, but I don't want to see an updated version of Magneto or Professor X. My idea is to allow a simultaneous New Mutants franchise and an X-Men OG franchise to exist. What if we get an altered, adapted Savage Land story? This could allow for the OG X-Men to be in a location where time is different, allowing a preserved history of X-Men with deep-rooted pasts to continue to develop on their own. This could explain the absence of Magneto from Wanda and Peter's life, as well as hide them from the events of Endgame. This could also be tied to the Eternals and where they are hiding. What do you think could this work? I don't think that the Eternals have been hiding. I think the Eternals have been in like New York and these big cities all along. They just didn't play a part in Endgame. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I agree with that. And and the idea of like using the savage land as this like hidden place where all this stuff is going on sounds too close to what they're doing with Wakanda to me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that too. 
But but on the flip side, if they introduce Namor, Jake, Atlantis is the same idea as Wakanda. Yeah, that's true. But at least those two things are at war with each other. It's kind of still the same premise. I do. I do respect Rodney for thinking outside of the box and throwing the Savage Land in there for the X-Men. I just don't see this happening. No. Although I would love to see the Savage Land on screen. That'd be incredible. And I would think yeah. if they were going to go that route, they would do Genosha. It would be Genosha that was hidden, and that's where all the mutants are. That at. makes sense. Genosha's haven't they? Haven't we had reference to Genosha in something? In the Fox movies, I believe. Okay, so. in the Fox movies. All right. And then I got one more email here, and this is interesting. Uh, Michael Forte. Uh, do you think there's a possibility that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man shows up in WandaVision as a Luke Skywalker-sized cameo? WandaVision is connected to Doctor Strange 2 and Spider-Man 3, according to Kevin Feige. Both Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany talk about a surprise cameo. I'm probably 100% wrong, but just curious what you think. You're not the only one thinking this. There are other people on the internet that are thinking this. I know that Alil from the League of Geeks, like, this is like, what he wants to see. He wants to see, you know, he, he's, he's a firm believer in the multiverse being a part of this and that he thinks like, you know, Toby Maguire, you know, that would be like a, a huge kind of like reveal of the multiverse. I just, I still, even going back to Paul Bettany's talks about the surprise cameo, I just don't see him like, Oh, this is an actor I've always wanted to work with, with it being Toby. I think it's bigger. Yeah, I see that. And I also don't think I'm not saying Doctor Strange won't show up in this, but I don't think Doctor Strange is the surprise appearance. It's just been too they've been too like willing to tell us that this is a lead in to that movie. And I don't think it would come as a surprise. Well, to Paul Bettany, Paul Bettany has already come out and said like none. OK, Paul Bettany has come out and said that all the predictions of like who it could be have not been correct yet as far as like. And so that leads me to believe that it's not Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange. He could still show up in this, but like that's not the big surprise cameo. It's going to be somebody completely new, a completely different. It just wouldn't even be a surprise cameo in my opinion. They've been so forefront about this being a lead into that, that that would come as no surprise. Yeah, yeah. No, I know I I get that. Yeah, if it, it like I'd be like, "Oh yeah, okay, this leads into that movie. There's there there he is." Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow, well, I'm shocked. <laughs> and and I think and I think if they do have Toby, I think if they have Toby McGuire, I I honestly think they save him for Spider-Man 3. I don't think they bring him out for WandaVision, especially with after what Tom Holland said last week. I don't think, you know, I think the fans would really love it to see his yes. debut in the MCU. That spoils everything Spider-Man. for the Sony movie, right, Paul? Kind that's like, what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, like, oh shit, here's Tobey Maguire. Now we know he's going to be in Spider-Man Three. Honestly, it I think spoils it, or hypes it up. I mean, it, tomato, tomato, right? The last, the well, everybody's going to go see Spider-Man Three anyway, Jake. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, it's what they've done kind of the last two Spider-Man movies is thrown some big MCU plot curve into both of them. Well, I think, yeah, I I think that it will, you know, Spider-Man was the first movie that was, you know, showing us like what happened after the the Tony Stark's, you know, snap. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and that was huge. I just don't. Has- I just don't think that they have to throw Toby into the WandaVision. Like at the end, I just think it's a little too much. <laughs> yeah, what's he gonna do? Like, how do you? How does that reveal even work? Is he gonna come out doing his Spider-Man three dance and start finger <laughs> gunning all over the I, place? Yeah, I guess. Roll credits. Yeah, that'll be like the final episode of like the WandaVision, <laughs> WandaVision within the show. You know. <laughs> I would just rather see him make his debut with the other Spider-Man. I do too. I like that too. I like that too. You want the first person to see this guy to be Tom Holland. I I agree with that. Yeah. But man, I would love Spider-Man 3 dancing Toby at the end of WandaVision though now, Jake. (laughs) I'm into that now, man. (laughs) Slapping her. (laughs) Oh boy, yeah, I, I'm excited. They, they're really like pumping up this surprise character and how everyone's just going to be blown away by who it is. I've also seen a lot of press that the final episode of WandaVision is going to be incredibly sad. Have you guys seen a lot of that? Well, I would, I, if, if it does come down to like Mephisto taking the kids, which we didn't see the kids at the end of this episode, so we don't know where they are, then yeah. 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 So. A lot of fake press out there too, with everyone saying that these last three episodes were going to be uh, an hour, hour long. Episodes. I never yeah, bought into that. that. I never bought into that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the next episode's still around thirty six, thirty seven minutes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Maybe the last episode will be a bit longer than the rest, but still not an hour. Sure, sure. Were you guys surprised that we actually got like a mid credit scene here? Um. Yeah, I was surprised to, to, to see it. I thought if they were going to do this kind of thing, they would have waited until the very last episode. Snooper's going to snoop. What was – so what are we – okay, what – what is that – that's what he said, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like George Clooney from, from Dust Till Dawn. Did here. you notice that her eyes were glowing purple in that moment? No. Yes. Monica Rambo's eyes were purple and earlier they were blue. Is that just because she's spectrum and they're going to change colors? Are we supposed to think like, I, are they leading us to believe like she's been kind of like, you know, Agatha has taken over her now or are we just, you know, or is her, are, like are, are her eyes just going to continue to change colors throughout these next episodes? I feel like since they did the whole Agatha thing that, if her eyes were going to change, they would almost make it a different color other than purple. But seeing as the whole, you know, like we got all that purple in her in her song and dance, that it almost has to have some kind of tie to that. Yeah. Is that is that yeah, something? I don't, I don't know I, what to make from that. Yeah. Her eyes were purple, though. They were clearly purple. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, like, I know everything about Spectrum, because I really don't. Neither do I. <laughs> Sorry. I, I was just thinking there, trying to... Yeah, I'm not sure. Are we supposed to be led to believe that Evan Peters is being controlled by Agatha at the end there, too? Um, I... Th- I mean, what's, what's wild is like, I don't think that the twins have been 100% controlled by Agatha, yet we saw when they were born, she was spraying the purple lavender mist on them, right? Oh. So, you know, I, 
I don't, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think that she brought, I think that she brought in the Fox Pietro and I don't know if he's, I think, I think she, her magic has definitely affected him, but to what level? And I think it would be interesting to see if, if Vision does the whole mind awakening thing on this Pietro, because even he had questions about this Pietro. He was asking Darcy, like, kind of like, do we know who this, you know, who this, he said something like false or fake Pietro or like something, you know, I can't remember his exact words, but he, he asked Darcy about this, this Pietro and she didn't have any answers for him. Yeah, I'm completely out on Pietro being Mephisto at this point, though. Oh, me too. 100%. Yeah. 100%. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I still think, I I don't think Agatha is the big bad of WandaVision. I still think that somebody is uh, pulling the strings behind all this, and we will find out if it's maybe Nightmare or Mephisto. I still think that those are choices, but... I think for everybody that was hoping Wanda is the big bad in this one, I think that uh, this episode proved all those people wrong, 100%. So, Isn't Nightmare kind of green-purple? Isn't that his color scheme? Mm-hmm. Let me look him up. I've seen pictures of him before, but <sighs> I don't read a bunch of Nightmare stuff. Yeah, green-purple. Yeah, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything or just randomness but well a lot of people are saying yeah a lot of people are saying uh nightmare because he was originally when scott derrickson was on board he was rumored to be the dr strange villain for dr strange 2 uh back when scott derrickson was still on the project but you know scott derrickson left they could have changed things up yeah it's true did you see that danny elfman's gonna score that along with sam raimi now i did i'm excited yeah me too Danny Elfman did. He's done other Marvel work as far as uh, not MCU stuff. But no, he did, he did Spider-Man. Age of, didn't he do Age of Ultron? Hmm. Danny Elfman. Yeah, he did. Uh, Avengers uh, uh, Heroes. Danny Elfman. Yeah, uh, Age of Ultron studio, uh, Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron is the film score for the Marvel Studios film Avengers Age of Ultron by Brian T- Tyler and Danny Elfman. Mm, okay, there you go. So, and he did, uh, Spider-Man. Correct? Yeah, the Raimi one. Yeah, the Raimi. So, that's all I got for WandaVision, unless you guys got any final thoughts on this episode seven. No, I, I just can't wait for next week. This felt like so much setup, and I think next week's going to be a real banger. Yeah, I totally echo Jake. I did love the sugar snaps uh, cereal she was eating. Sugar snaps uh, cereal? Did you? <laughs> what, what did you love about that? Well, I think it's a call back to the snap. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it'd been called sugar blips. <laughs> <laughs> What show were they watching? Was it like Yo Gabba Gabba or some shit? Yeah, like somebody, so somebody posted on Reddit because like the Yo Gabba Gabba, like one of the characters had like a big eye, one eyeball, and the other one was like a blue animal, and they were like Cyclops, Beast, confirmed. Oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna go over the uh, good pop, bad pop bullshit. All right. 
Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon All right, hey, we are back. Paul, I feel like we fried your brain during that last segment. Oh, man, I've been frying my brain all week, man. <laughs> it's all good. No, no, it's, I feel it's like a lot of fun. My brain's fried, dude. Like, we get into the weeds with this shit, man. It's hard, dude. I don't know. Like, uh, you know, Neil took a lot of shit last week from us for, you know, thinking it's all Wanda. And then I, I've been taking a lot of shit for thinking it's all Mephisto. And it's just... Whatever, whatever. You know, I, at the end of the day, we could all be wrong. You know, we could all be wrong. Who knows what the fuck Feige has got planned for this series? It's just fun. It's just fun in the meantime to speculate and uh, try to figure these things out. I'm, I'm still loving WandaVision, so I can't wait for these last two episodes. I still think that this fucking next episode, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be Agatha all along episode. That's what I think. I would love that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I lean towards no. That they already kind of covered that ground. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We shall see, sir. I just feel like you got, you got Catherine Hahn in there and like now that she's become such a kind of like a focal point now, she's been kind of like in the background. I think this might be like maybe one of the reasons that she signed up to do this is because they gave it, they're going to give her her own dedicated episode. I think it would be a huge kind of like reveal at the beginning where like we've gotten used to hearing at the beginning of these episodes, you know, last week on WandaVision and who we're going to hear it. We're going to see last week on you know, Agatha all along. I think we'd all be like, "Oh shit, we're in for it. We're in for it." And it- yeah, I'm ar- I'm already starting to 180 on it. It's the <laughs> second. It's the second to last episode. They very much did the same thing with episode four. They did. They did. We got the we got the first three episodes that were like you know 50s, 60s, 70s, and then we get that one episode that kind of explains what everybody else was doing, right? And now then we go back to the three other episodes. 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 10s, and uh, now we might get this one episode before we get the, you know, the penultimate might be another episode before they really want to dive into, like, how this series is going to is gonna end. Yeah, yeah, I'm really starting to 180 on it. I, I, I'm taking it for granted how much we know this character and who she is, where the general audience really has no clue. Like, that whole song and dance did nothing for the masses, so I think we really do have to explain this character and her motives. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump into this week's uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I did a a huge binge uh, this past week. I was about uh, six episodes behind on the Showtime show 
Your Honor, starring Brian Cranston and Michael Stuhlbarg. And I watched the final episodes of this uh, leading up to the finale last Sunday. And uh, wow. Wow. What a season. What it, it's 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 a it's a uh, limited series. So it ended. They had the final episode. But wow, it I absolutely loved this series. Uh, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I thought it was I thought it was pretty damn incredible. And the ending was uh, very fitting, very fitting. I thought it was a very fitting ending. And um if you haven't watched this one uh, and you have a Showtime subscription, I highly, highly... And I think more people are going to get a Showtime subscription, Jake, once they drop that Halo series with Pablo Shriver. Oh, yeah. I think Showtime subscriptions are going to explode. That'll be a big get for them. Yeah, yeah. Ah, man. So, yeah, I loved it. Loved your honor. Uh, tragic, tragic fucking story. But uh, just it, it just kept me on my toes the entire time. And I think... The performances between these two guys, Brian Cranston and Michael Stuhlbarg, were just phenomenal. Let's talk about, uh, we got a new trailer this week, guys. We've been waiting on this one, and they dropped it. Mortal Kombat Red Band trailer. We got it. I, you know what? Not every podcast rates trailers, but we sure as fuck do. We're going to be rating this one. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I rate trailers, man. I think you can rate about anything out there, and I think trailers you can be rated. I love rating trailers, you know, because like... Yeah, we get some trailers and we're like, ah, fuck this. This looks like shit. And then all of a sudden we get, uh, we, get, we shit so much on, uh, Days of Future Past, Jake. And every trailer we shit on it, dude. And when that movie came out, we loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It goes both ways too. We love the Suicide Squad trailers. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. Couldn't get enough of them. Yeah. Ugh. I think it's fun to look back on like, you know, our hype the level of hype or the level of like not hype that we have on these things. And, and we finally get the movies. This one's coming out April. Um, we've got our, our main character here of, uh, Cole played by Lewis Tan. You guys will remember him. He was an into the badlands and he was also in Deadpool. Um, he plays Cole. He's going to be teaming up with a squad of special forces soldiers, Sonya blade, Jackson, Jack's Briggs, um, Shaolin Monks, Liu Kang, Kung Lao, and Kano, and the Thunder God, Raiden. They enter a tournament and, and defeat an evil army that wants to invade Earth. All the while, two rival ninjas, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, wage a grudge match. And so we've got like, oh my God, we've got some amazing martial artists in this movie. Of course, Joe Taslam from the Raid films. We also got, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata from, uh, The Last Samurai and a bunch of other wonderful movies. He's, this guy's awesome. But, uh, I want to know you guys' thoughts on this trailer. You guys all watched the Red Band trailer, right? Correct. Yeah. I, I didn't know there was another trailer. Oh, I think that they had another. I, Maybe it was just the Red Band. I thought that they had another trailer. I never watched the other trailer if they did. But um, what did you think, Paul? What did you think about this Mortal Kombat trailer? I'm a Tupperware. It was it was fucking awesome. Um, it makes no bones that it's going to be different from the previous uh, live action adaptations we had. Um, it kind of gives a little cool origins to how Jax gets his metal arms. I mean, and just like kind of going back and like reading articles and 
and just like kind of rewatching it, you can see little glimpses of other characters that haven't really been um, advertised. You know, like there's people speculating that we see like Noob Sabat in it. We see um, Reptile. Yes. Uh, the 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 fucking fighting is just amazing. Um, we see uh, score Cabal. Yes, yes, um, man, it's just it looks so much fun, and I love the little throwback to the orchestra music at the end, yes. like the orchestra version, yeah. of the '90s techno song, um, which is awesome. And some amazing person online put the actual techno song into the trailer, <laughs> oh, um, nice, which is fucking awesome. Um, yeah, I saw that. Dude, it's so great. Uh, the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight looks like – and like I don't know if I misread this, but isn't that the fight that, opened, that opens up the movie? The I've Scorpion heard that too. Sub-Zero? I've heard that too. Yeah. And that looks brutal as fuck. And just, I mean, we got to see the fatalities in the end with Kano saying Kano wins holding a heart. Yeah. I'm like, dude, take my fucking money right now. Well, Tough we, saw, we saw the Liu Kang animality in this one too. Yeah, I don't know who yeah, he was I, fighting, but we saw the dragon. I hope to God we get a friendship fatality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we fucking got the uh, fire dragon at the uh, in in a certain part in this trailer. But Cabal is in it too. Uh, we saw the 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 hook swords, and that's that's definitely a giveaway of that character. Mm-hmm. Jake, what did you think about the Mortal Kombat trailer? I'm going to give it a very high taste. It. Um, I, I'm very excited for this movie. I just, I don't know. They, the story looks really dumb to me, but I don't think that's going to be the point of this movie. I, I think the trailer proves that the fights are going to be awesome. It's awesome they're going just head on with the fatalities and the R rating and the blood. Um, the special effects look just top notch. I'm just, oh, I think this trailer would have been better if they would have hid all the story, hid all the Cole stuff. Wait till I see the movie to find out about that dumb shit going on. <laughs> um, I love Sub-Zero. He's my favorite Mortal Kombat character. Just seeing the special effects of him using his powers was my favorite part of this fucking trailer. It just looks so fucking cool. Like, compared to the old 90s movies, this was, like, leagues ahead of that dumb shit. Um yeah, just, I'm just going to give it a very high taste it. I'm going to give this a very high Tupperware. I fucking loved it. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. I mean, the story, whatever, dude. I guess, I mean, I love Louis Tan. I think he's fucking awesome. Um, Maycod Brooks looks fucking huge. He He's, I mean, he was big in Supergirl. He was big in True Blood. But my God, dude is fucking, he, we call him Jax. He's jacked. He's fucking huge. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, what may, I want to know, they, at the beginning of this trailer, they, they, they're talking about how it all started seven years ago. Why, why is Sub-Zero doing things seven years before the tournament? Why is this even happening? I want to know all about that. Why did, did, why did it start seven years ago? Um, I mean, so many things in this trailer I love. That Jax's arms getting frozen and ripped off was amazing. We got a clip, uh, quick glimpse at Prince Goro, and he's all CG in this one. He still looks damn good, and he looks very much kind of like the original in a lot of ways. Um, we got a, a tease uh, of the show, uh, of Shao Kahn's statue in this as well. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I was like, holy shit, so they're already setting up for possibly the end of this movie or a sequel in this one when we get to Outworld. 
And um, yeah, I love fucking the fact that what I did love about the story in this one is that Kano is going to be kind of like an anti-hero in this one. He's going to be teaming up with them, but we still know that he's going to fight Sonya Blade at some point in this movie because we do see that. So, you know, he is going to be joining up with the rest of the humans fighting against them in this tournament, but like something happens, man. I don't know, dude. It was just, it's awesome. It, and it, it look is, is Liu Kang taking a back seat big time in this movie? Or do you think, I mean, is it all going to be Cole? Is it all going to be Cole? I can't think, I don't know. Is it all going to be Cole or is like, or is Sub-Zero and Scorpion going to be a big part of this too? Because like, I think you get a guy like Hiroyuki Sonata in there and they showed him not in like the full like Scorpion garb, but having like a, you know, a, a battle outside of like a hut and shit like that. I feel like Scorpion's going to be a big part of this too, man. I don't know. I they might they might blend this really well with all the characters. I hope so. I hope everyone kind of gets their piece and no one gets put in the back seat. Um, I think that's the hardest thing about making a really good Mortal Kombat movie is just the focal point and giving everyone their moments. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's what works so well with the animated movie that just came out. Yeah, yeah, like, one of my biggest gripes about that movie is the fact that they, they made it seem like it was a Scorpion solo movie when it was really just, it was perfect for everyone. That was not a gripe for me. That was just like, oh my oh, god. Oh, no, I just, just on the selling of it, I, I think they should have just called it Mortal Kombat. Yeah, but it was, it, <laughs> but it still did feature Scorpion's Revenge, so I will give it that. It started with Scorpion, it ends with Scorpion, but I think it integrated everything really well into that animated movie. I love that animated movie. I got some quotes here from the director about Sub-Zero and Scorpion. This comes from Dark Horizons. In the wake of a rapturous response to the first trailer released this week, the film's director, Simon McCoy, spoke with IGN about the preview clip and offered more details about the feature. It's confirmed the film Sub-Zero serves as the film's primary villain. That's one of the reasons the game series, two differing versions of the way Jackson Jacks Briggs lost his arms were ignored for a new origin story in the new film with Sub-Zero being the cause. Turns out it's entirely for narrative reasons. Quote, in this film, we needed to drive a few certain characters and narratives. And so given that Jacks losing his arms had been done a couple of different ways in the past, we felt we had a bit of a license to do that again here. We've really tried to be very truthful and true to the canon where we can be. But every now and again, we might deviate slightly where we felt that it was okay to do so. One big challenge, uh, one big change will be his brother, the character of Scorpion, no longer a ghoulish figure like the previous film. Here he is a proper samurai character with veteran actor Hiroyuki Shinada in the role and was incredibly helpful in getting the Japanese history right on the character. Quote, we really wanted to be very true to his heritage and make it feel very genuine. That's really why it was born out of this touch of samurai about it. Obviously, there's been many, many versions of Scorpion's costume and how he looks. But out of authenticity came this version of Scorpion that kind of felt real, but also felt very powerful. Scorpion's costume needed to have the armor plating with the detail in it and had a sort of dignity and elegance about it, which matched his character from the beginning. McCoy also wanted the characters of Scorpion and Sub-Zero to be defined by more than just their powers. Quote, Joe Taslam did an amazing job 
as Sub Zero. He represented uh, represented Indonesia for judo. So the guy is an athlete, and he shows it. And the presence he brought to that character was just extraordinary. And Scorpion actor Hiroyuki Sonata is a very, very gifted swordsman and athlete in his own ways. The physicality between these two guys was quite extraordinary to watch. Just years and years of experience and ability to do these moves were kind of all baked into them. I don't know. Fuck, man. Here's the thing. His quotes t- saying, like, we're going to deviate a little bit from the source. I'm fine with that, man. Give me something new. Give me something a little bit new. You just don't need to go so new as to invent a new character called Cole and leave Johnny Cage out of the mix. That's <laughs> Jake, I get that, man. I just I can't rate the trailer on 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 that yet because I did love what I saw. I love the action and and I feel like the care that they put into, like, the action scenes and the fatalities that they gave us that man, those things might be fucking at the end of the day, I might be able to overlook the fact that we got this new fucking character. And I like Lewis Tan anyway. I just a fucking birthmark. <laughs> I get it, man. Yeah, I, I have no connection to the actor, so that hurts me. But I mean I by no means toss this. If it's a one through ten scale and nine and ten are Tupperwares, this is an eight for me. Like I, yeah. I absolutely did love the trailer. Yeah. Um I love those quotes that you read. I get a little bit tired of Scorpion and Sub-Zero just looking like they're wearing the same costume, but they're just spray-painted a different color. I love that they took some liberties with that, and they have very unique costumes. Well, in the first movie, movie, in the first movie, also with those characters, Jake, they basically got the Hawkeye Avengers treatment where they were fucking being manipulated by Shang Tsung. Like, they weren't even, you know what I mean? And it feels like in this one, he said... He said Sub-Zero's the main villain of this movie? Yeah, that's exciting. I love that. Yeah. Um, have you heard the rumor about uh, Cole Young? Like, I know a lot of times even you have kind of said, like, you're thinking he could actually be like a Johnny Cage. But there's been a lot of talk that he's actually, well, well, that he's going to be like Sub-Zero's replacement, that he's Sub-Zero's brother in this movie. And that there's like a rumor that they both have the same Mortal Kombat logo birthmark or whatever. And that a lot of the rumor is, is that this movie's going to end with Cole Young taking over the mantle of Sub-Zero going forward. See, I've heard that Scorpion dies at the beginning of the movie. And the whole thing is about Cole becoming the new Scorpion oh, at the end of see- the movie. Yeah, and I've heard that Sub Zero dies in that first fight scene, and Cole's gonna take. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but if, if um, Sub Zero's the main Sub Zero's the main villain, I, I start yeah. to believe the Scorpion stuff now. Yeah. Oh, totally, absolutely. But I think there goes the whole Johnny Cage thing. Yeah, which would be great if he comes in for part two. Yeah, I'm hoping Johnny Cage. I hope this movie's fucking as awesome as this trailer was for me, and that we get the sequel and Johnny Cage is a part of that. I can oh, see why they, for the first movie, would want to leave Johnny Cage out. I thought the animated movie handled him perfectly, but it's kind of the only way you can handle the guy. Because he's like, it's, oh, this isn't a real movie. These aren't real special effects. Like, you can only do that gimmick so many times before it's a little bit hackneyed. And I I can see why they would make the creative decision to leave him out of this first movie. Who would you want to play Johnny Cage? Would you want an established m- movie star? It's Johnny Cage. It's Johnny Cage. I mean, could they just, could they bring in, like, if this movie blows up, 
and they have the means, they could bring in somebody like a. I'm not saying this is it, the, the, who they'll bring in, but they could bring in somebody like a Channing Tatum or something at that point to play the role. Yeah, I'd be fine with them doing the same thing they did for the cartoon and getting Joel McHale in there. <laughs> I, I love Joel McHale, <laughs> but I don't want to see Joel. I don't know if I want to see live action Joel McHale I mean, in this universe. I think, like, just based on the persona from all that, the perfect guy for me, and there's no way they get him, would be Ryan Reynolds. Oh my god, That's that fantastic. is fantastic casting. That is fantastic That's, casting. That's who I would have in a heart. Well, I mean, he's going to be he, he would be involved in in a, in a movie that's got all like these like ninjas and swords and sorcery and stuff like that and I mean, we know at one time he was attached to do the Highlander movie before that kind of like all fell apart and we you know, it was supposed to be Ryan Reynolds and then I think uh Tom Cruise was going to be in that movie as well playing like one of the original Highlanders, kind of like the mentor. Remember that, Jake? The Sean Connery role. Yeah, in the Sean Connery role, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Fucking, oh, God, Ryan Reynolds would be the perfect Johnny Cage. All right. Yeah, I can't see anyone else now that you said that. Yeah. Oh, God, that's fucking perfect. He's got the physical attributes to do it. He, the wisecracking. But the wisecracking. See, that's yeah. the thing. That's the evolution of that character of Johnny Cage. You get like the wisecracking and all that shit, and then he fucking finally gets it. Like this is, this tournament is real. This tournament is real. We saw that in the in the ninety five movie, where he fucking shows up with all his luggage, and it's like, <laughs> you know, like like well, what what the fuck? And he's hitting on Sonya and all this stuff. And then like by the end of it, he's like, this is our tournament. It's our tournament. We make the rules here. And he fucking challenges Prince Goro. And I could see, man, if anybody could pull that role off, it's fucking Ryan Reynolds. That's perfect casting, Paul. Fuck yeah. I feel like half these characters are going to die in this movie, right? I mean, you can't do all these fatalities and everyone makes it out of this alive. Like, we know, we're going to lose we a know, lot of Mortal Kombat characters. We know reptiles that they got tons to pull from, though, for future oh, films. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Liu Kang was a fatality here. You know? Or Kung Lao. I, Kung Lao's another perfect one. Yeah. I, there's going to be some big deaths here, I bet. Mm hmm. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I can't wait for this. Kane. Oh God. Do you think Kano's going to be a fan favorite? Yes. I could see it. I could see it. The them showing the classic Kano fatality with the with the heart was was just great. And that was that looked like the reptile fight, dude. It looked like he ripped yeah. that shit out of reptile. Ah, all right. Let's move on to the next thing here. Uh, the luminaries. Did anybody get a chance to see the luminaries on stars? No, I did not. I watched the first episode, yeah. Yeah, they dropped the first episode. Um, I don't think the, I don't think episode two is out yet. It might come out tomorrow. Uh, television, it's a television miniseries based on Eleanor Catton's 2013 novel, The Luminaries. The series is centered on a young adventurer named Anna Wetherill, who has traveled from the United Kingdom to start a new life on the South, South Island's west coast during the 1860s West Coast Gold Rush. The Luminaries tells an epic story of love, murder, and revenge as men and women traveled across the world to make their fortunes in the boom years of the 1860s gold rush. The script was written by Eleanor Catton and was said to be very different from the book. And it's got quite the cast here. Um, Eve Hewson as Anna Wethrell, Eva Green as Lydia Wells, Himesh Patel from Yesterday, and he was also most recently in Tenet. Uh, plays Emery Staines, and Ewan Leslie plays Crosby Wells. Paul, what did you think about the Luminaries? 
Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a high taste. It. I was wrapped into the first episode. Um, I definitely want to see where they take it. I thought production value was like watching a movie. The costume design was fucking awesome. You know, like the cinematography was great. Uh, Eva Green, I've always loved her. So she's fantastic, isn't she? Oh my god, she is so great, and you just get this kind of vibe about her, and it really made me want to go and check out the books because I heard these books are just fucking awesome. Huh? Yeah, I, I'll give it a taste. It, um, I, I, I liked it. I, I, are you going to continue to watch this one, Paul? Um, I'm at least gonna, I'm at least gonna give the second episode a chance. Yeah, because it's only like six episodes, right? Yeah, so I think it's going to be a very short season um you've got anna wethrell she she makes friends with this uh uh fellow traveler named emery stains played by himesh patel uh on their voyage to dunedin and they're traveling to take advantage of the gold rush and anna finds uh this fortune teller named lydia wells played by eva green and she she gets her money taken from her and stolen. Did you get the feeling that like when she needed a place to stay and did you feel like this woman was selling her into like prostitution? Yes. <laughs> well, even from their whole like beginning, how she kind of manipulated or she kind of took advantage of the fact that she can't read. Yeah, she can't read. Yeah. And she kind of used that to her advantage. Yeah. And it's just like. It was very fascinating just to see, like, how, like, you know, like, a woman could do in this very man-dominated 1866 gold rush landscape in New Zealand. Yeah. Do you think we'll see Himesh Patel later in this series? I hope so. He was awesome in this. He was really good. And, like, they have, don't they have some kind of, like, connection with their birthdays? Yes. Yes. And I was hoping we would have got more of the Asian guy behind. I, I, I thought there's gonna be more to him. Uh, the dude that was in line behind her to get on the boat. Yeah. 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 I wonder if we'll see more of that. Um, but anyway, this main character of Anna Wetherill, she's, uh, arrested and accused of Mr. Crosby Wells murder. And she's able to pay bail because of this dress that she's wearing that has gold sewn into it. And, I don't know. I, 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 I found it very intriguing. I did think the production value was very well. I just don't know if this is one of those shows that I'm going to stick with, but I did, I did like the first episode and we'll see when the second episodes come, comes out. Maybe I'll, sometimes it does take that second episode to really hook you. Yeah. Cause this was totally set up. This is totally getting you to know who the characters were, what the fuck was going on. It really didn't do much in like providing like the overall like map of where it's going to be going. Yeah. 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 That's the luminaries. It's on stars. If you have stars, um, St. Maud, Paul, did you get a chance to see St. Maud? Uh, I watched half of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jake, did you watch St. Maud? No. Fuck. All right. Um, St. Maud, it's a psychological horror film written and directed by Rose glass in her feature directorial debut. The story follows hospice nurse Maud, a recent convert to Roman Catholicism, 
who becomes obsessed with a former dancer in her care, uh, believing she must save her soul. This is an epics exclusive. So, um, I thought that, that was kind of odd that it was an epics exclusive. Yeah. I thought, uh, yeah, I, I just don't <laughs> see many, I, I know that they have like their own original programming, but you know, stuff like this usually comes out like on Netflix or Amazon, but it was an epics exclusive. And you have this nurse named Katie and she starts to, uh, she changes her name to Maud after this, uh, incident with trying to resuscitate a, a, a patient in under her care. And, um, so she, <laughs> Since that time of losing this patient, patient, she's become this Roman, a devout Roman Catholic, and she's working in private uh, nursing, and she has uh, been taking care of this woman, Amanda, who is like this former famous dancer, and um, she is now terminally ill with stage four lymphoma. She's confined to a wheelchair. And Maud is taking care of her and she fears that, you know, once, once she dies, that her soul is going to be lost. And so she's basically, um, trying to, trying to give her some peace before she dies and save her soul. She feels like it's her mission. So other people that are involved in this woman's life, she feels like are not good for her. And I, I don't want to get into this too much, but I, I felt like this was like really kind of a, a story about like mental illness and mixed in with horror. And I thought it did a really good job. I, I give it a high taste it. Um, if I say too much, if I get into it too much, I'll spoil the movie. But Paul, you're halfway through. What do you think it so far? Did you drop off because you're like, fuck this movie? Well, I just, I've just come to realize that like horror and that type of horror just isn't, it's just like I get so anxious and like stressed out that it's just not even like entertainment to me. And that's not a knock on anyone who, who enjoys these types of movies. It, it just, it gets me so on edge where I can't even enjoy it. So I was just like, okay, this isn't for me. I'm just dropping off. Okay. Okay. I felt yeah. like the ending, I felt like there was a part in, at the end where I got to the end. I was like, now you got to do this in order to make this movie land. You have to do this. They did it. And I was like, okay, all right. I, I, I like this movie. I'll give it a favorable rating. Now it all came down to the ending for me. It really um, did. And so I, I enjoyed it. I mean, if you're into like horror and psychological thrillers and, and, um, but this movie does deal with mental illness. So, you know, take that, uh, as you will. But yeah, I'll give St. Maud a, a high taste that I enjoyed it quite a bit. Awesome. Uh, the map of tiny perfect things. Who got a chance to see this? I did watch this. Yep. All right. Two teens who live in the, in, in the same day. They live the same day repeatedly, enabling them to create the titular map. The Map of Tiny Perfect Things is a science fiction romantic comedy drama film directed by Ian Samuels from a screenplay by Lev Grossman based on his short story of the same name. It stars Catherine Newton and Kyle Allen. And yeah, this is another like, dude, these fucking 
these shows and these movies where they do this Groundhog's Day thing are super popular. We've seen it with Russian Doll. We saw it most recently with Palm Springs. And here we get another movie, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, where two people are living out the same day and they don't know why and they're trying to figure it out. But have they done too many of these types of movies or did this one work for you? Paul. Oh, this one worked for me so hard. I I put my notes. I love that Groundhog Day is now kind of spawning its own subgenre of films because there's, you know, like, especially with Palm Springs and this one, you can see there's so much to tell. You know, Palm Springs looks at it from one way and this movie really looks into like the science of it and just um it totally it totally reminded me a lot of that movie we watched uh a couple months ago that uh spontaneous with just uh their chemistry between the two leads i i love those two actors in this i loved um and something that i it's not a it's not really a spoiler but i love kind of especially with promising young woman i love this new trend in storytelling where we where we follow a character from their point of view for a majority of the film. And then all of a sudden we go to somebody else's point of view for the rest of it. I am a big fan of that, uh, storytelling gimmick right now. And I'm going to Tupperware this. I thought it was, I thought it was charming. Um, I, you know, like you give me a list and I don't even watch the previews anymore. I just put it on. So I had no idea this was a ground, like a groundhog day type of movie. So at the beginning, like, fuck this cocky kid walking around predicting stuff. I'm like, oh, wait, I see what they're doing. Yeah. But um, it, it really packs an emotional punch as to, like, why the day is repeating. And I loved kind of the twist that we get in it. So I'm going to Tupperware this. Yeah, dude. I thought, like, they really I, – I felt like – the people that that made this, they, they they took like this concept of Groundhog Day where you're repeating the same day over and over and over again. And they're like, well, what if one of the characters was going through this? Yes. And, yes. and I'm not going to lie. Oh, uh, go, no, go ahead. Um, I was like, it was a Tupperware as soon as when the one kid said, well, like Michael Keaton, Batman, right? He's like, no, Batman, the animated series, Batman. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Winner. Winner right here, but no, Brian, you, like you're totally right. I I loved um, I loved seeing it from two completely different perspectives as to why it was happening, and the overall message of just like sometimes we just aren't the center of everything, yeah, and we need to sit back and appreciate that. Yeah, I, I Catherine Newton was fantastic in this. I loved her most recently in Freaky, but I think like she really got to do something different here. Um, I really, I, I, I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well. I, I, I'm thinking Jake, 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 you are tasted, high tasted Jake this episode. So I, yeah, really, this is another high tasted for me. I right? figured, uh, I figured I loved Catherine Newton in it as well. I, I did not love Kyle Allen in this movie. I thought he kind of brought it down for me and I didn't see the chemistry between those two actors as much as you guys seem to, um, and that's really what kept it from being a Tupperware. I thought the story on paper was fantastic. Like if I read the screenplay, I would give it a Tupperware, but I don't think it translated from screenplay to actual finished project as well as it could have. So it just wasn't quite there for me. Um, I still very much like this movie. Um, 
you know, they even straight up mentioned Groundhog Day and Edge of Tomorrow in it. Um, I loved him always talking about what was going on with his relationship with his uh, video game buddy that kept dying in the video game. And it was like he, he would just always tell him the next thing that was going on, regardless of that character not being in the loop as well. And I thought that was some of the more hilarious stuff going on in this movie. But, yeah, this is a must watch if you have Amazon Prime already. We're checking out. Yeah, it's called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. I loved it. I thought, like, it went somewhere I didn't think it was going to go. I thought that it was going to be about him trying to get with that girl at the pool. And then that suddenly is just like, no, that is not this movie. That is not important. He's (laughs) – there's there is there is someone else – and this is spoiled in the synopsis. There are two teens who live the same day repeatedly and – um you find the more you find out about these two teens and like one of them is completely content with reliving the same day and the other is not. And I, I thought that this was a wonderful movie about, you know, you know, letting go. And, and, um, I think it emotionally hit me when you meet, when we get the twist and everything I was, and it really worked for me. And I, 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 I enjoyed this quite a bit. I, I really, I'll give it a Tupperware. I loved it. So I'm glad you loved Man. this one too, Paul. Oh, it was, it was, I, I loved it so much. And I did not think being centered around teens, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to really relate, you know, at all. But man, just like the whole, you know, like as you said, just like moving on and confronting that part. But, uh, just the whole, uh, beach ball thing. Yeah. With the girl yeah. yeah. The- it's it's so charming i love it yeah one of the best dog names i've heard in a while uh chewbarca chewbarca yeah yeah i like that too (laughs) i care a lot who watched i care a lot i I watched this everybody yep Mm -hmm. a crooked legal guardian who drains the savings of her elderly wards meets her match when a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears this is written and directed by jay blakeson I haven't watched – I don't know if I've watched any of Jake Blakeson's movies. Have you guys watched any of his movies before? No, I'm looking it up. I, probably not, no. though. I'm not so. familiar. Yeah. Yeah, it's Jake Blakeson. Uh, the film stars Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, Isa Gonzalez, Chris Messina, and Diane West. And uh, wow, I've got thoughts, man. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I – there, uh, here's the thing. I love like the first two acts of this movie and then I get into the third act and I'm like, fuck this movie. And then Thank I get you. to the ending of this movie yeah. and I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm back on board. I don't know. Hilarious. I, I don't, I'm going to give this, I am going to give this as far as this is a very frustrating high taste it for me. A very frustrating high taste it for me. Um, I felt like the ending kept going on and on and on, and I felt like the ending was like watching the end of The Return of the King at per- certain points. <laughs> at certain points where I was like, oh, my God, is it going to end? Where, okay, no, we got this, and okay, oh, another scene. Uh, okay, all right, it's it's still going. It's still going. Um, I, Man, you're, you're watching a movie where – 
are can you root for anyone in this fucking movie? And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying like every movie I watch, I have to root for somebody. Like if you, if you have a compelling story, I can, you know, I can get into it, man, whether I'm rooting for somebody or not. And I, I feel like for the first two acts of this movie, I am definitely like so into this and maybe I am rooting for someone at a certain part of this movie, but then it doesn't turn out the way that I want it to. And I'm like, what the fuck are they trying to, what are they trying to make me think here? And then by the end of the movie, something happens and I'm just like, okay, I'm back on board with this, but man, it was a frustrating high taste it for me. Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. This was just a taste it for me. Yeah. This was, some of the most unlikable characters in a movie I've ever seen. Like I, I hated all of these people and they, it's kind of, they do kind of a twist on you. I like Paul sometimes don't even watch the trailers or know what I'm getting ready to watch. So like in the first 10 minutes, I think the Marla character is like this, like, you know, she's going to take no gruff from these men and she's this empowered woman. And yeah, I'm going to root for her. And then you very quickly find out that she's manipulating all of these elderly people to just, cha-ching her bank account right and doesn't care at all so you're like oh my god what a terrible woman and then she gets involved with more terrible people and you know her best friend is a terrible person but you (laughs) want the terrible people to take her down because she's so terrible yeah exactly and at (laughs) one point i thought the person i was rooting for was jennifer peterson i wanted her to get out of this elderly home because yeah. she seems like a nice lady she's a <laughs> terrible person too yes <laughs> um i did i agree with brian i there was one point when it was the like second return of the king ending i was like this can't be happening <laughs> and then at the third return of the king ending i was like yes <laughs> <laughs> um and like this is the only movie i think where i've been like okay i'm the the crazy white man <laughs> is is the hero of this. Yeah, no shit, no shit, no. And that's the third Return of the King Indian I'm talking about. Right? right. Like, is this is God. this the, is this the one thing where it's okay for the white man to be like, "Don't take our guns." <laughs> Off of the heels of promising young woman too. You didn't think you were saying that. It's fucked. This movie was fucked up, dude. It was fucked up. I did love um, Chris Messina as the lawyer dean. I thought his character was pretty fucking amazing. He He was was my favorite shitty guy. Yeah, he was fucking great. Paul, dude, talk to me about uh, dude. All right, you guys aren't going to believe this. I literally get done watching this movie, and I get a call from my mom, and she's so excited because her and her boyfriend just uh, just were approved to go into assisted living. And I'm like, no, no, please, please don't. <laughs> like, I just watched this batshit movie. Um, I'm going to give it a high taste because Roseman Pike was fucking – I thought she was great in this. I think she really made me hate her. Um, and it's so weird because it's like a movie where it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to cheer for what I think is the shittier of the two, like the better of the two evils, I guess. Because everyone, as you guys said, are just complete pieces of shit. It's yeah. like, well, can they all just kind of like kill each other, like in a Mexican standoff type of thing at the end? Right, yeah. Um, 
But, you know, and like, uh, I feel like I, I don't know, like just at the beginning, I kind of got this feeling like, ooh, I think I kind of see what could befall one of these characters at the end in the first like five minutes. And yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's it's such a fucked up movie because you don't like movie. anybody in it. It's, it's a it's fucked just... up movie. It's a fucked up movie, dude. There's a, the, like the movie starts off. You've got Rosamund Pike's character who is basically like, you know, like the way that NBA scouts young up and coming players to you know to be prospects for the NBA. She's she's looking at these old people in their bank accounts and 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 bringing them into her, you know, assisted living facility and just milking them for all their money. She takes their homes, she takes their possessions and and you know, they get court orders. They get court orders to pull these these old elderly people out of their homes. They bring them into the facility. They won't let them call or contact people from the outside world. And the people that they're scouting, that they're you know bringing in, are people that don't have any family, things like that. So they're they're not worried about like people showing up and trying to get them out of you know the facility. And then we find out that here's a little bit of a spoiler for this. So if you don't want to hear it, then fast forward. But we find out that this woman that they bring in, uh, what was her name? Peterson, Jennifer Peterson. Yes. We yeah. find out that she is the mother of basically like a Russian mafia, right? He's part of the Russian mafia Mm -hmm. and it's played by (laughs) Peter Dinklage. Who, who like at one point I'm like, are we supposed to take this guy serious? Cause he's eating all these long John <laughs> yeah. and he's doing like fucking gymnastics in his office and like a leotard. Like what the, f- and then the next minute he's like as fucking evil as can be. Yeah. 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 I, I thought he came off as intimidating. I, I, I think he was a legit villain in this. I, I enjoyed him. I, I, I enjoyed his performance. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of like the, the that's the wrong woman to be taking in to this assisted living, and you know Rosamund Pike's character is threatened by Peter Dinklage's you know lawyer and all this stuff, and like get her out of there or it could be bad for you and blah 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 blah, and things just go fucking crazy from there, and like nobody in this is worth rooting for, and I was just. It was a frustrating movie until the very end, and then I don't know if I was satisfied by the end of it or not. So <laughs> I was. Oh yeah, yeah, and and like there's a part where a house blows up, and I'm like, dude, that couldn't have happened like two minutes earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked that too. I think people should watch this though. People should watch this. <laughs> they should have to fucking watch this like we did. <laughs> yeah, it's a trial by fire. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's called I Care a Lot. It's different. It's different. It's called I Care a Lot, and it's on Netflix. And this movie just kind of came out of nowhere for me. Did anybody get a chance to watch Reset on Vice TV? I watched the first two episodes. Me too. I've watched the first two episodes, and I watched the fourth episode. It's Dexter Thomas reveals the untold stories of the video game industry and meets people changing how we play today. And this was 
put on my radar by one of our listeners on Twitter. I think her name is Amy Kirschenbaum. And if it's not, I apologize. But thank you, Amy, for turning me onto this show. And the first episode is titled Finish Him, A History of Fighting Games. And they get into the fighting games like Street Fighter 2. The second episode is called uh, Preservation or Emulation. And it's about, um, you know, pre- preserving video games and video game history. And, like, they find out that there was a lost successor to NBA Jam. And it was a uh, um, it was a baseball game. I want to talk about that. But uh, and then the fourth episode that I watched was uh, War Games Part Two. I I don't know why I didn't watch War Games Part One, but War <laughs> War Games Part Two. Um, I'll talk about that one here in a moment. But what did you guys think of like the first two episodes, Jake? The first one was a fighting episode. What do you think about the host? Are you a? F- I mean, I, I feel like I feel like a little bit of his personality bleeds through in this, but I feel like he's very monotone and I want to see a little bit more of like, I want to know who Dexter Thomas is and what video games mean to him. And I feel like he's very reserved. Yeah. I liked this a a lot. Um, not quite a Tupperware. I wish the episodes were like double length. Um, I just wanted so much more and I, I don't know if every episode ends this way, but the first two episodes kind of end with this conference call with, with the host, and he's talking to two or three other people. And I, it's like two minutes long of this conference call, and I would love to see them kind of discuss the topic at hand a little more thoroughly than what they do. Like, they go through all this trouble to set all these people up for interviews and then to talk to each other, and then it's like hardly a blur before the episode was over. Yeah, they're like so. running the credits yeah. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed by that. I thought the concept and idea was really cool. It's it's not so much like explaining the history behind these games, but kind of explaining the lifestyles and the social situations that surrounded these games when they came out. And it was an interesting approach because we've all seen just kind of the history of video game show a few times now. And this kind of took a, a much different approach, which I really appreciated, but they didn't really follow through with it. They didn't finish their swing. And I, I, I thought both of these episodes would have benefited from being 45 minutes instead of 22 minutes. And yeah. they really felt just kind of gutted of material because of that. Yeah, they were definitely filmed during the pandemic. He's wearing masks, you know, to meet with some Yeah, people. but they're doing, they're doing these interviews on Zoom Yeah, calls, they could have been longer. Yeah, yeah. I, I was disappointed by that. What do you think, Paul? Reset. Man, I am right there with Jake. Uh, when you texted, it's a new video game show. I'm like, oh, we already got a really great one with high score and insert coin, insert coin and council wars and all that. But but like as Jake says, this doesn't look at like the game or like how it was made. Like it looks at like the culture of the people that predominantly play this game. And I thought that was fascinating as hell. And like Jake were it perfectly, it's like they took a swing and didn't follow through because I know, uh, like, especially with vice, um, and you've watched this, Brian, but like they do a phenomenal job with dark side of the ring. Yes. And, and I was hoping that we would have got way more kind of investigative, journaling from the host more so like like it was almost kind of like he just gave us like a little bit of a teaser but then you realize that they're not really going back to that they're kind of just going to a different game or genre the next episode it's like oh like 
you had me. I kind of want to see more of this. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it a high taste because I think the concept is super cool. And I hope they kind of maybe next season kind of like open it up even more as to what they can cover. Because I think it's fascinating as hell talking about, you know, like um, how the fighting game turned into just trash talking to like this serious competitive where people are making a living off of this. Uh, yeah. I thought it was fascinating as hell. What did you think about the fucking uh, – they, they found – NBA Jam came out as a huge hit, and they made a baseball game in the NBA Jam vein, and they sent out like a couple of these you know boards, these, these arcade consoles and um, these stand-up machines – and it didn't really take off, so like they never put it into mass production. But they were able to restore one of them and play this game. I thought it was—I thought it was interesting. I never—I never even heard of this game before. What was it called? Oh, I forget too. But it, it was interesting that it used the same emulator board as Golden Tee, down to the rollerballs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was bummed that it never saw a late of day because I mean I love NBA Jam, but I also grew up on you know, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball. And at the time that was kind of all we had. And to know that there was another one like almost at the distrib like at the distribution gate was just like, oh man, I think I would have loved that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And they actually they showed them playing the game. And I I hope that it sees the light of day. I hope people I hope this is it playable one day. I hope we can see this get released somehow. Yes. Yeah, I found the emulation episode really fascinating. I um, the stuff about Goldeneye really hit home because I know a couple people that are still like hunting for that perfect emulated version of Goldeneye. Yeah, and, and they just can't get it. Like, there's just major bugs and major problems. We said that that one is going to be available by at the soonest by 2023. Yeah, but even that one is like. People just want that original game. They don't want a refurbished, re-graphicked version of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that they had to kind of get away from the, the James Bond of it all to be able to legally do That's the true. one that they're doing in 2023. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. That is like, God, I can remember those GoldenEye parties and, <laughs> so and sitting I. there with four of my friends. And it was you'd never done that before, like killed your friends in a video game yeah. in a first-person shooter game like that all on the same TV. Yeah. Dude, oh, I did love that fucking uh, Dexter was like, he was talking about like some of the fighting games that, you know, they love. Like, what are the ones that you love? And he, he brought up Killer Instinct. Oh, yeah. I love Killer Instinct. I was too. like, yeah. that game does not get enough love, dude. And I was like, and you've heard me talk about it on the show before, Jake. I love Killer Instinct. I thought Killer Instinct was great, dude. And, and when it came to Super Nintendo, it was awesome, too. It wasn't. A hundred percent like the arcade, but man, I love like the training mode that it had in the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, yeah, and by N sixty four, they had it pretty down. Yeah, like, uh, there wasn't. It was pretty seamless between arcade and console. By the time we got to N sixty four, I watched War Games two this episode of uh, Reset, and it was talking about how the U.S. Army uses video games to recruit potential soldiers, and that was a super interesting episode and there is definitely some kind of like ethical boundaries that I think that the US military is maybe crossing 
with this dude like they are trying to recruit people in this game like you can sign up to have a recruiter call you by playing some of these games and i was like oh my i i didn't know anything about this that episode blew me the fuck away and it felt like a vice kind of like story you know that they would cover but they just happened to be covering it here in this in this series i thought it was super interesting i give that episode a tupperware because i did not know anything about that so I was blown yeah. away. And as a quick aside, um, when I finished watching these first two episodes, I was already on the Vice On Demand. So I finally watched the uh, first two episodes of Dark Side of the Ring for the first time. Oh, yeah. Which was the uh, Macho Man episode and the uh, Montreal Screwjob episode. And w- I will be watching every single episode of this show in yeah. the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Paul and I will go on the record and say that they're all phenomenal. All oh, the third season is going to start with Brian Pillman. I'm fucking pumped for that. Yeah, you know, I didn't have access to Vice TV until recently. We, we've gotten this. We've dropped the cord and gotten a Sling subscription. And so in the last, like, six months, I've had Vice as a channel now and all the on-demand. And so it finally opened it up so I can watch all these episodes. Yeah. Well, what's great about that is I don't have that on my TV at all, but they put them all up on YouTube after a while. Okay. Where I was able to just watch every episode on YouTube, and it's got ads, but still, it's like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Rock, yeah, I'm excited. Rock Camp, the movie. Did anybody watch Rock Camp? I did. No. Paul, you didn't see this one? No, I wasn't able to watch this one. Summer Camp meets Spinal Tap as we journey to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. This is a documentary. Where dreamers from across America and around the world gather to shred with their heroes and learn to rock like the legends. Rock Camp is an institution and cultural phenomenon that has been going on in Los Angeles, New York, and other cities since 1996. The brainchild of music producer David Fishoff, Rock Camp boasts a jaw-dropping array of rock stars, counselors that include Roger Daltrey, Alice Cooper, Paul Stanley, and Gene Simmons. Nancy Wilson, Joe Perry, Jeff Beck, Slash, and countless other rock legends. The counselors teach, inspire, and jam with the campers over the course of four days. Each rock camp concludes with all of the counselors and their respective respective campers performing together. It's directed by Douglas Blush and Renee Barron. And, uh, Jake, what did you think about this documentary, Rock Camp? Uh, I'm going to give this a Tupperware. Um, what's the guy's name? David Fishoff? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just absolutely fascinated by this character and just where he came from and how he ended up doing this rock camp stuff. Um, just such a fascinating guy. He's the guy that was behind the kind of the monkeys revival when MTV started doing their reruns as well. I used to recruit sports stars and just hearing his story about how he got into the business that he got into, I thought was extremely, extremely fascinating. Um, and I just loved all the different people and walks of life that attended this rock camp uh, just a really colorful cast of characters and and i i did not expect to like this as much as i did but i i absolutely loved it <laughs> that's awesome man that's all i i i liked it i didn't love it i'll give it a high taste it um i i as far as like documentaries go, I guess I'm doing, I'm just, I guess I'm used to seeing like the dark side of shit in every documentary. And this just felt like it was just all like all good feelings, you know, like it was all. It was, it was. I love the autistic kid and just kind of yeah. hearing about his story. Yeah. Yeah. And like, 
the one guy who had the 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 one son who uh the, the, basically they had to like the, the kid was special needs and they had to retrain his brain um and so the the dad kind of dropped everything for his kid and and put things around him to like stimulate his brain and and uh, it was nice to see him kind of like jam out with them at the end i thought it was very inspiring but um it was all feel good. And I guess like when I watch these documentaries, I'm like waiting for like something like where's the, <laughs> the fucking shooter drop. Yeah. Where's the, where's the dark side of all this? But it was all good. It was all good. It was all good. It was all good. And like, um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was super, it was super interesting, man. I, I loved seeing how, uh, people just kind of like geek out about being able to play with, like these rock legends, especially uh, I felt like the one guy that, that missed out on being a part of Lenny Kravitz's band. Oh, that was wild. Wasn't it? Oh my yeah, God. He seems so bitter about that. Like in the scene when he's talking to his daughters, it's just like, and here's where I fucked up. Yes. Being with Lenny Kravitz. I felt like his daughters when they're listening to him, they're just like, Oh, here dad's talking about this again. Not this again. <laughs> Yeah, he took another gig somewhere. Like, I think maybe even overseas or something like that. And he missed out on being in Letty Kravitz's, like, first, like, huge hit album. And, and, and did like, I, did I mishear? Did Lenny Kravitz just end up doing his own drums on that album? Is that what they said? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- like, I've heard of Rock Camp and, but I never, I never knew, like, what actually happens within the camp and, and I feel like it, it's big business and, and some of the, some of the people just for just kind of like, I, I, and I, I, I just think, I think that sometimes these rock stars kind of like placate to them being maybe better than they actually are. Am I making sense? Yeah, most of them seemed really down to earth, though, and I, I really appreciated that. It, like, I thought Alice Cooper seemed just like a really down to earth guy. Even the Judas Priest guys seemed really down to earth. Yeah, but yeah, it, it felt like like your Roger Daltrys and your Gene Simmons like kind of had my shit don't stink syndrome. Well, Gene Simmons will <laughs> that dude will fucking sell his soul to Mephisto for a dollar. Oh my god. They yeah. they make fucking they make they make kiss coffins for crying out loud. That guy put That's they'll put crazy. he'll put kiss on everything. It's good though. I I liked it. I, I recommend people watch it. Rock Camp the movie. Yeah, it's 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. A little bit under that even, I think. It's so 88. It's, just, it's 88 minutes and you can rent it for 5 bucks on VOD. Yeah, perfect bubblegum TV. Uh, like Brian said, the shoe never drops. It never like turns evil. So it's just it's kind of real feel good. I don't yeah. know. I was just in the right mood and in the right place to really really enjoy this. Yeah, yeah. I guess I wanted to see. I, I guess I wanted to see more of like their final performances too. You know. Yes, I, I I do agree with that. Where it was like there was all this build up of could they do these songs? And yeah, you never did get the big like payoff like concert. Well, and then the woman she was talking about how she's going to be doing like lead vocals with Paul Stanley, and like her vocals were drowned out. You could barely hear her. Yeah, that that's true as well. So yeah, Tribes of Europa. Did anybody get a chance to watch any of Tribes of Europa on Netflix? I did not. 
I watched the first episode. I watched the first two. It's set in 2074. Three siblings set out to change the fate of Europe after a global catastrophe causes Europe to fracture into dystopian warring tribal microstates who vie for dominance over the other states. Three siblings get caught up in the conflict when they come into possession of a mysterious cube. It's a German sci-fi television series directed by Philip Cook and Florian Baxmeyer. And uh, it's gonna, it's only six episodes. It's on Netflix. All episodes are there, of course. And uh, I watched the first two. And uh, I'll be honest with you, Paul, I don't know if it was a time thing for you. And that's why you only watched the first episode. But I would have watched yeah. more of this because I really – I loved I really loved this a lot. And it's pulling from a lot of different things, man. It, this is pulling like – it's got like that – this uh, you know global catastrophe, this dystopian future and – you know, all these different micro states. And so like, you know, like the power went off somehow, somehow in the past, in their past, the power went off and uh, everything just kind of like reset. And so like, there's all these different groups in, in Europe and, you know, you've got one group that is basically like no technology. It's like, it's like uh, Amish people in the future or something. I don't know. And then you got this one group. They're all like, they're all war-minded. They're called the Crows. And uh, then you've got the Atlanteans, who are this very futuristic kind of group. And then you've got this other group. I, I can't remember what they're called, but they're like soldiers. It, it, it almost reminds me of just like the U.S. military. Um, but all these different groups, they're trying to get possession of this mysterious cube. And the, the, the cube, I guess, has all the answers. I really don't know what the cube does the cube is not 100% functional right now but there's this that we see this spacecraft it's an atlantean spacecraft and it crashes and there's uh, the pilot the pilot is met by one of the by one of the origines which is like this non technological group they use they use no technology and he gives him the uh, the cube and basically um, gives him possession of this cube. And everyone is after this cube. All the groups are after this cube. There's – I want to know what you thought about this, Paul. I'll get into it a little bit more. But what did you think about Tribes of Europa? At first, I was very overwhelmed because they threw a lot at you in, in that first episode. And it really reminded me a lot of that uh, Giancarlo Esposito show from a couple years ago called um, The Rebel er, – I don't know if it was the revolution or revolution where they live in a world where just all the power has gone out. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like at first I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, cause you know, we get into just like the crazy banter between the first tribe, but then I really started to get into it, but I did make the mistake of watching this right after I care a lot and I just needed, I was like, okay, my brain's already fucked. <laughs> I'm going to turn it off and just like watch an old Bob's burgers to kind of get that movie out of my head. And then we had to record. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I I'm digging this man. I'm really fucking digging this show. I'm, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I fucking, I love it so far. I can't wait to see where it goes. I'm really digging tribes of Europa and I, who knows? I mean, who knows where it's going to go, but like, You've got this, you got this group called the Crows that attack the Origines, which, 
are the people that don't use technology. They attack them. They enslave the surviving members. And um, you've got the one boy who's on the run with the cube. You've got the one girl who they thought they left for dead. They thought she was dead. And now she's been um, captured by, like, this military group. And uh, they've also captured one of the crows, one of the high-ranking crows. And um, she's wanting to release the rest of her family that are enslaved by the crows. And so she's trying to make her way into, like, their fortress. There's really no way in unless you are a crow. And so she's made a deal with one of the crows to to get into their fortress to try to get her family out. And, um, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm digging this show overall. I want to know what the, what this cube does. And I think the world building in this, it does go really, it does move very fast, Paul. But, uh, <laughs> I think like all these different groups, and I don't even think we've been introduced to all of them. I've seen about four different groups now. I'm sure that there's more and I can't wait to see what else this show throws at us. Like, but, uh, I'm down for this, man. I didn't think I would like this at all, and I'm loving it. So, yeah, I'm a pop. I'm a pop back on for sure because it definitely was, you know, and it, and it, you know, it's like the whole post-apocalyptic dystopian future has been done so many times, but this definitely brought like a fresh air to it. So I kind of want to see how this plays out. Behind her eyes on Netflix. Who got a chance to watch any of this? I saw the first two episodes. I saw. I missed this one. I saw the first two as well. Behind her eyes follows the story of a single mother whose world is thrown off kilter when she begins an affair with her new boss, David, and matters take an even stranger turn when she's drawn into an unlikely friendship with his wife, Adele. What starts as an unconventional love triangle soon becomes a dark psychological tale of suspense and twisted revelations. As Louise finds herself caught in a dangerous web of secrets where nothing and no one is what they seem. It's got Simona Brown as Louise, Eve Hewson as Adele. We just saw Eve Hewson in the Luminaries, Paul. Yes, we did. Here she is again and behind her eyes. A six-part Netflix series. Tom Tom Bateman stars as David and Robert Aramoya as Rob. Paul... (laughs) What did, what did you think of, dude? This is this show's fucked up, right? It, dude, man. First off, this guy is the worst therapist of all time in the history of his profession. Um, man, I'm gonna give this a high taste because I want to go back to this just because it's so fucked up. It, it's so fucking batshit off the wall. You know, they're like again, um, just like the tribes of. Um, Whatever it is, Europa. It, throws a, <laughs> it, it throws a lot at you. Yeah. Like, like, like at first, because I didn't know anything about this. At first, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna watch like a breezy romantic comedy. Like a a single mom is getting dressed in front of a mirror. She's gonna go out. And meet Stella's some, gonna get her groove back, dude. Right? Like, like hijinks are gonna ensue, and that no. Um, no, and like I don't know. Um, one downfall is just everything is way too convenient for it to be happening. Like, oh, I'm gonna hook up with this guy. Wait, he's my new boss. Oh no. Uh-oh. Oh, I just bumped into somebody in the street randomly. Wait, that's my new boss's wife, wife? who I hooked what? up with. 
Oh no! What's gonna I sleepwalk? Oh no! <laughs> like, and then we get the flashback the scenes where like Eve Hewson, the wife, is like, is she in a Dude. drug re- rehabilitation facility? Like, or is she in like a, a, a psychiatric ward? She was like literally at like when people make a joke like, oh, they're gonna send you to the farm. That's like where she was. Like, they're just, like, wandering, like, the plains of, like, fucking England, like, in white suits. Or, yeah. Like, white, like, oh, it was fucking crazy. And she's, like, a former patient of her husband. Yeah, and he met her when she was 17. Yeah, that breaks a lot of laws, man. <laughs> just, it, it just bashed it crazy. And, again, it, it, it's it, it's kind of like I care a lot, where you're like, I don't know if I really want anyone to have a good outcome because at first you're all for the single mom but just kind of her like what she's willingly doing knowing what she knows after doing what she's done you're like why why yeah i don't know i'm very intrigued this show is batshit crazy i i don't know if i'm gonna get back (laughs) to it or not like it sounds like you're gonna finish it but like i don't Part of me wanting to go back is just like, okay, where does this all fucking go? There's only four episodes left. I might as well see where it fucking goes. That's where I'm at. Yeah. 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 Dude, I I don't know if it's true or not, but I hear that there's a supernatural element that plays a part in this. Of course there is. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) why not, right? (laughs) Fuck it. Let's just see what sticks to the wall. Yeah. It's called Behind Her Eyes on Netflix. (laughs) I'll give it a taste it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get back to this one or not. Paul, let me know if it's worth getting back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally will if, if if I remember. But I just – I'm compelled just to see. Like I kind of want everything to go to shit for everybody involved in this. Yeah. Uh, Paul, you're going to be upset with me, dude. No. Yes, you are. No, I don't believe it. I have not. I have not watched For All Mankind season two yet. You son of a bitch! No, <laughs> you fuck. Well, hey, I mean, dude, I want you to it, talk to me. Like, I love this. Was my favorite show the year that it came out. You know, and so it, we got the. How many episodes did they drop? Did they drop just one? They dropped just one. Okay. Where are we? I'm sure we've done a time jump, but... uh, We are 10 years because I don't know if you know this, but at the end of the season finale, there is a post-credit scene. I think I do remember that. Yeah. 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 And that post-credit scene takes place 10 years after the events of the first season. So we're we're in the early 80s. And uh, I'm going to give it a high taste it. Is Joel um, Kinnaman back? Yes, yes, everyone's back. Almost everyone's back. Holy shit! Um, almost everyone that survived uh, to the finale is back, and there are definitely some big changes. I get what they're doing. I see where they're going. It just some parts seem very off the wall. Like I mean, I like I know we're in an alternate history but now to be like oh the russians beat us to the moon we have super advanced technology now um it's just kind of like oh um but like the ending is really cool because it sets up a lot of what's gonna happen i'm just kind of nervous of how they're gonna do that so i'll give it a high taste because i mean you and i were texting during that first season how much we both loved it so i have faith that it's gonna be just as good as the 
first uh, season, but this almost felt like, in a lot of ways, this felt like a series premiere, not like a season two premiere. Like it felt like just a bunch of like setup. Okay. As to what we're gonna get, like like there's a lot of big surprises as to where some characters have ended up and who's with who and all of that. Um, but I mean, it's for all mankind. I'm gonna stick with it. Like it's it, like I mean, it's a high taste it. But it's 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 so great. Okay, I love the first. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna jump on this tomorrow. You know what else I haven't jumped on? Barry Bojack Horseman <laughs> two. Um. <laughs> well, the, hey, um. hey, let's. Not, let, let, I feel like now you're just shaming me. Ouch. <laughs> I haven't jumped on Servant season two. How's that going for you? Oh my god, it's better than season one. Shut the fuck up. I swear to God, dude, this show started like minutes after season one ended and it has not stepped off the gas. Okay. And it's fucking, you want to talk about bad shit crazy. Fuck. Now that, now that I finish your honor, like, like servant and, uh, for all mankind are like right there. Like I'm an episode behind on American God season three, man. Like I'm, I'm so behind right now. And like I kid, but you you watch so much stuff, man. I, I, was, I just like to bust your shit, man. But uh, yeah, Servant season two is just I I didn't think I, I was most worried about season two because I thought season one was so well done. Like how much more like suspense can you give us? And they're just like, yeah, we'll fucking call your bluff. Like here you go, and it's just like holy fuck. How many episodes in are we on Servant season two? I think this was the sixth episode. Sixth Jesus episode. Christ, I'm so behind. Wow. Yeah, but but like they're only like 24 minutes. Yeah, I can binge it quick. Yeah, it, it like maybe wait until season two is over and just do it all at once if you can. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. If I have the time, I will. Are get, all I, the episodes only 20 minutes? Yeah, they're like 24, 25 minutes long. Yeah, I thought that was an hour show for some reason. No, 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 no. It's very quick. I think that's why it works. And like, they're only, uh, God, I want to say eight episode seasons. So it's like, there's no filler. It's just quick to the point. Uh, Rupert Grant is so good in that show too. Oh my God, dude. He's fucking killing Toby it. Toby Kebbell's great. Uh, yeah. I love that fucking show. Yeah. And Leanne, oh my God. She, she should be nominated for this season. Yeah, I'll jump on that. I'll jump on that. Paul, do you have any of your own personal good pop, bad pop that you wanted to bring? Yeah. Uh, one thing is um, my little fucking dickhead son was so bad. <laughs> he was so bad at spelling words, so I made an incentive. He got like 50 words because he went back to in person. I'm like, if you can get all 50 words, I'll buy you the new uh, Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, thinking <laughs> like, oh, I'll buy this shit and fucking – may uh the little fucking dude got 50 right on uh the day it came out so we bought that and he's been in florida so i've been playing it (laughs) um it's a fucking tupperware man um i never played mario 3d world when it was on the wii uh u i believe that was the console it came out correct came out on um so that game's a lot of fun but bowser's fury is fucking great because it's like we finally have an open world Mario game. And I feel like that, like Jake, I feel like this is kind of like an experiment they put out with this game. Like, like we're going to see if people will like, like a full out open world 
Mario game. Like, and I know Odyssey had the levels where you can really kind of explore, but this is just like, it's like one place and it's just got so much to explore. And it's got me excited. Like we might get an announcement for Mario Odyssey two based on this concept. But this so you is, can turn it on and play and play this right away. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's literally two separate games. You haven't played like, this, Jake? No, no. I got it on Sunday, and I still haven't even had a chance to turn it on yet. Okay. Like, you don't need to like get to a certain level in Mario 3D World to unlock it. Like, it is literally like when you download or pop in the game, you get to choose what game do you want to play: Super Mario 3D World or Bowser's Fury. Okay, that's cool. Now, I have played Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U. Like, I beat that game. Okay. But I, you know, got this because the new mode looked really fucking cool, and just who wants to bust out a Wii U anymore to play anything? Well, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I've never played, like, I, so I can't tell you if, like, a lot has been changed for 3D World because I have no idea, but that game's fun as fuck. Like, I'm that loving game is fun as fuck. Oh my god, getting all the green stars and like being able to play as different characters and all that. Like it, it's a lot of fun, but Bowser's Fury is a hell of a lot of fun and it's crazy cuz like he'll just randomly transform and attack you like while you're in the middle of a mission. You're like, "What the fuck is happening?" It and you can the- play Bowser's Fury two players, right? Uh, I believe so. Emma and I did not play that together yet. He was obsessed with getting the green stars and saving the little pixies in a jar. Okay. Okay. Who wouldn't be obsessed with saving little pixies in a jar? I mean, I can't, I can't blame. Yeah. I can't fault him for that. Yeah. Jesus. No, that game looks incredible. I don't even play these fucking things anymore. I haven't played a Mario game in years, but my God, I saw the trailer for that fucking game, that Bowser's Fury, and it looks amazing. Oh, it's so good. Like, and, and seriously, like Mario Odyssey, and I'm like a hard, hardcore SNES Super Mario World guy, but Odyssey is my favorite Mario game. And just the shit I'm hearing is that we could get a part two. And I think a lot of it comes down to the reception of Bowser's Fury. Very That's really cool. Home. I think Odyssey has been the best Mario game since Mario 64. Oh, like, hands God. down. Dude, like... Jake, Emmett and I have been watching YouTube video after YouTube video of, like, possible new worlds for Odyssey 2. It's just so much fun. Man, Nintendo had their big um, Nintendo Direct. They haven't had one for over a year where it was, like, 45 minutes of all their new game releases for the first half of this year. And it couldn't have been more underwhelming. I was so disappointed. Like, the big announce was Splatoon 3, uh, Zelda Skyward Sword remake. It's just like, come on. Give me some fucking goods here, Nintendo. What's this bullshit? Yeah, dude, man. Give us Mario Kart 9 or something. Not this fucking <laughs> shit you build around the house. Yeah, the most exciting thing on the whole presentation was a um, brand new Ghouls and Ghosts remake with modern day graphics, which that did look really cool. I'm excited for that. Nice. But yeah, you have to let me know what you think of Mario 3D and Bowser's Fury, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking it out. I didn't I didn't realize that I could just pop it in and play just that. I thought I had to beat the other game and it was like the extension of that. So that's really interesting. No, it's 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 whole diff- like it's its whole thing. It's great. 
All right. Let, my cat is. Uh, <laughs> can you hear him up here? Mm-mm, I didn't. Right. Yeah, he's he's up here. We're gonna take a break. We'll come back with the pop culture leftovers news. I'm gonna pet my cat. In the meantime. Okay. All right. We'll be right. Back. No. I yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy that you guys are enjoying that game. Well, Paul, I'm happy that you're enjoying that game. <laughs> it uh, it looked fucking incredible from the trailer. I was like, holy shit. Maybe I should buy a fucking. Uh, what are they called? What's this? Switch? Switch. Yeah. I was thinking maybe I should buy a Switch. I'm glad my son can spell. So that's... that's There you go. The, unlike that... The whole moral is... Unlike, unlike that uh, lady in the luminaries, your son can spell. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's illiterate. Uh, we'll be right back with the Pop Culture Leftovers news. You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. One of the lowest ranking podcasts in the world. World. We heard your demand for timestamps and we chose to ignore you. Just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy tramp stamp Jake. What we're trying to say is we don't do timestamps and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you rat bastard cunts. Cunts. <laughs> Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers. All right, hey, we're back. I forgot. We got one more fucking review. I forgot to put this in my fucking notes. I don't know why. I'm an idiot. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. This is the uh, new Kristen Wiig comedy lifelong friends barb and star embark on the adventure of a lifetime when they decide to leave their midwestern town for the first time ever it's directed by josh greenbaum it stars uh kristen wig annie mamulo and jamie dornan this is i've never seen jamie dornan in a comedy before this is interesting this is interesting uh so yeah this is uh this it felt like this is a fucking weird movie it was funny. It felt like it was like it felt like they were playing cartoon characters, but they were like live action. It was so bizarre. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that Jake gave this a Tupperware, so I'm going to throw it to Paul. I want to know. Yeah, what- man. <laughs> I uh, again, this is one of those I had no idea was even a thing. I didn't see a trailer, so I turned it on and. Man, like it was, there was a lot of cheese, saw like random songs and and all that. And um, I'm gonna give it a fucking Tupperware, man. I love the shit out of this movie. I was sold when Jamie Dornan is singing uh, "Seagulls in the Sand." Will you hear my prayer? <laughs> um, everything just came off fucking wild. Um, this came out of nowhere to me. I. It's almost like an Austin Powers meets yeah. fucking Bridesmaids meets fucking West Side Story type of thing. I am in love with this movie. I thought uh, all the performances were amazing. Uh, it it knew exactly what it wanted to be, and it hit every mark I feel like it wanted to make with just, you know, like a canon with a setting of improbable death. Um 
I fucking love this so much. I'm going to give it a total Tupperware. That surprises me. Now, when Jake gives it a Tupperware, I will not be surprised at all. I feel like, Jake, I feel like you love this movie. This is a Tupperware oh, yeah. for you. This yeah. was my favorite thing I saw all week. <laughs> I this figured. Was, this, was, this was a giant Tupperware. I, it was, at first I didn't know if I was liking it or not, but basically from the scene where they have the buried treasure with Jamie Dornan's character, through the rest of the movie, I was just dying. This was one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Oh, when they're doing that dance remix to the fucking Titanic song. <laughs> and, uh, oh, there's just so many funny moments in this movie. I, I also had written down very Austin Powers meets Bridesmaids, like the exact same thing. Um, yeah, I love this. I love the flashback of the, the villain's origin <laughs> cracked me up. Jamie Dornan's Seagull song was fucking hilarious. The, when, the, when their life flashed before their eyes and it was kind of like, all the different comedic beats built into one big montage. I, I was just dying. What a well-placed uh, Kermit riding the bike moment. Yeah, this, this movie was great. A real tit flapper. Dude, a real uh, tit flapper. Jesus Fucking Christ. Trish. I was dying at the whole Trish story. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, yeah, the... <laughs> There's a scene in this movie where... They're getting ready. They're at Vista Del Mar and they're at the hotel. They're getting ready to order food. And Kristen Wiig is like, yeah, I, I think I'll try the frog legs. I've never tried those before. And is it, is it, is it Barb? I can't, is it Barb, her friend? Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. like, she's like, oh, I could never do that. She's like, she, she, she references how Kermit the Frog, when he rides that bike in the Muppet movie, how like he needed those legs. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, okay. So like instead, instead she orders fried baby bald eagles. <laughs> yes. And, Parts of this had me cracking up. I love the whole like Trish thing where they had this like whole story about Trish and they love the name Trish and they, I part of me I love part of this movie, but I don't think it's as funny as like Bridesmaids or I'll give it a high taste. It I did I did like I did like it quite a bit, but I don't I didn't have as many laugh out loud moments as I think you guys had while watching this, but. I did enjoy it quite a bit. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I think one of my biggest problems with this is I loved how the other actor, the, the one that isn't Kristen Wiig, how she played the, the role really seriously. But I felt like Kristen Wiig, when she's in, and this is my only critique, really, when she takes me out of the movie a lot because of her goofy smile when she's having these interactions. It reminded me of like when she's on Saturday Night Live and she can't like when her and like Fred Armisen are doing a sketch together and she's cracking a smile and it's cute there. It's cute and it's funny because she's like kind of like breaking character and, and laughing cause it's a live recorded thing. But in this, it kind of took me out of it. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like when her and, you know, the two characters are going back and forth and she's kind of like cracking a smile while she's delivering her lines. Yeah, when they're doing their just kind of like on the spot humor segment that they do. Yeah, I don't, I find it 
funny when she's doing it on SNL because it's recorded live and like maybe something is funny to her and that's that's her facial expression. But here it kind of took me out of it. That's I know yeah. that's a nitpick. I know that's a nitpick and not everyone's going to agree with that, but like it kind of took me out of it. Yeah, I could see that. I, I could see that. It, it didn't bother me in the least. I didn't even notice it in this movie very much, to be honest with you. Oh, God, it's all over the place in this movie. <laughs> but <laughs> it's all over the place. I was expecting this to be like more of like a eat, pray, love type of thing. So when all the batshit fucking just off the wall stuff like that little Asian kid singing on his thing and then going to like an owl that's scanning his body. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's yeah. amazing. I love how the, the movie starts with like the definition of culottes and how culottes play a big role in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, I was wondering when that was going to come back up again after the opening. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's a good comedy. It's a good comedy. I think it's a, it's a better comedy than it ever fucking deserved to be. And uh, I thought Jamie Dornan actually surprised me in this movie quite a bit. I loved um, Damon Wayans Jr. in this, too. Every time he was on screen, I thought he was fantastic. I'm a big fan of him from uh, Happy Endings. I loved him in that show. I think Damon Wayans Jr. is fucking hysterical. So I loved seeing him in this movie. I'll give it a high taste. I did enjoy it, but I can't rank it up there with, like, I I, I loved Bridesmaids and... Um, game night. Those are some really funny comedies for me. Like the, uh, um, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. I love those. And I just didn't love this as much as those, those, those newer comedies that, that have come mm. out. But, uh, I did, I did, I did enjoy it quite a bit though. So I'll give it a high taste it. Yeah. I like Vanessa Bayer's club and how controlling <laughs> she was in it. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, and they had what's her? Oh God, the them. Um, oh well, Fortune Feimster was in it, but the other yeah. lady that was in the OA, and she was also Phyllis. Phyllis, yeah. I, I I didn't watch. What was that? What was that show she was in? The, the Office. The Office. So she was in The Office. Yeah, yeah. I liked her and how like she was obsessed with horses, and <laughs> I don't know. You guys want hot dog soup? <laughs> hot dog soup. <laughs> Pouring the hot dog soup onto the hot dog soup. I. <laughs> It was a it was a it was a twist for me that they worked in a Jennifer convertible store. <laughs> that was a big twist from the trailer. So yeah, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Definitely check it out. It's funny. It's funny. It's fu- it's funnier than it has any right to be. To be quite honest with you. Yeah, I I, I feel bad that this missed a theatrical release. I think this would have been a, a hoot to see with the full crowd. Yeah. 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 Jamie Dornan, man, dude, fuck that. I feel like he stole the movie in this, and I've been listening to the soundtrack on Apple Music. Just that Seagull song to me, I was, I was fucking dead. Well, he the was soundtrack's mo- great. He was most recently in uh, Synchronic. I've just never thought of Jamie Dornan being in like. It's weird to see like some of these actors show up in like these comedies and play like, these comedic roles. Like Daniel Craig, you never thought that he would be in a comedic role, and then we see him in Logan Lucky, and then we see him in Knives Out, and it's it's very comedic. And he did such a great job in both of those roles. And then like Jai Courtney as well. Like I know I give Jai Courtney so much shit, but dude was fucking really good in that Buffaloed movie on HBO uh, on Hulu, excuse me. Mm. And then Jamie Dornan coming in here. 
flexing his comedy chops for what I think is like the first time. He was really good. I was really impressed by him. Yeah, not only funny, but very sympathetic, too, I thought, by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a bizarre movie. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. So, yeah, check it out. Check it out. uh, I I don't know if – guys, would you you recommend people drop 20 bucks to rent this thing or just wait? Um, If you're going to be able to watch it with someone else, if you could split 10 for 10, then yes. But uh, 20 bucks, that's so expensive. I – I wouldn't recommend my favorite movie for 20 bucks. I would recommend Terminator 2 for 20 bucks for my first time. It was time. like the day of release. Day of release for Terminator 2. You bet your fucking ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jurassic bucks, though. At home, eh. That's yeah, it's true. Who wants to watch <laughs> Who wants to watch Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park at home? Yeah. <laughs> Half the fun of those movies was the sights and the sound of, yeah. of the big screen. That's true. Now I feel crazy for dropping thirty on Bill and Ted. Fuck that! I saw <laughs> I saw that for five bucks in the theater, and that movie was trash. Oh, we dropped man. thirty on Mulan. Jesus, uh, we yeah. split the cost on that fucking piece of shit. Even fifteen though. Ouch. Yeah, no, it's true. And it wasn't. A, it, it wasn't. A, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. You know what I this mean? Is, I mean, I thought this was one of the best movies I've seen all year, and I still wouldn't recommend. I, I guess I'm just a cheapskate. But twenty bucks, man, they need to figure something out with this fucking theater to streaming. That's shit. true. Twenty fucking bucks just to rent it, and you don't even get to own the shit yet. No, no, no. I would not do it. No. All right. And I love this movie. I, I would not drop the 20 on it. Psycho- yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite comedies I've seen in a long time. Psycho Gorman's worth 100 bucks, though. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't rent Psycho Gorman for 100 bucks. I wouldn't either. I, wouldn't either. I love the movie, but I wouldn't do it either, Jake. <laughs> just watch that, too. <laughs> I love it. What did you think of Psycho Gorman, dude? I loved it, man. <laughs> I thought it was bad shit. It was awesome. Dude, I got my I got I got my Psycho Gorman poster signed by the director in the mail two days ago. Him walking around dressed like <laughs> Sheriff Woody was fucking. <laughs> no, dude, he was dressed like uh, Alan Grant. He was dressed Alan like Grant. yeah, Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. <laughs> all right, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Yeah, 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 yeah. Read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. I don't know if you guys saw this news. This is uh, this just came out. This is breaking news. We got the title of the uh, face-off sequel that nobody wanted. No, I haven't seen this. Yeah, the face-off sequel. It's titled "Fuck Off." <laughs> is this a joke? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent a joke. Oh, God, <laughs> off face. <laughs> That'd be awesome, Jake. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I Tupperware this news. <laughs> That's that's way ballsier than I expected them to be. Now I'm finally excited for this. Yeah, it's, it's very self-aware. <laughs> Nobody wants very, this fucking movie. Fuck off. It's so it's so meta of them. Yeah. News from Dark Horizons. Following its work on McMillions, Mark Wahlberg's unrealistic ideas production company is teaming up with Assemble Media and Insider for a premium limited document docu series about the rise and fall of Movie Pass. That's awesome. I'm the, excited. The docuseries is, is based on journalist Jason Gurasaro's Gir, no, Jason Gurasio's award-winning coverage of the movie ticket subscription service 
His report chronicled its explosive growth in 2017 after offering unlimited theatrical movies for just $9.95 a month through its very public downfall and shuttering in late 2019. It will explore the company's founding by Stacy Spikes and Hamet Watt and the implosion of the business by outside investors who took over the company before leaving it bankrupt and under investigation by the FBI. The series features exclusive first-hand accounts from the MoviePass founders, company insiders, passionate users, ambitious, ambitious young employees, and industry experts, along with a look at how, player, how players in the investor class can rig the game to ensure a payday regardless of the carnage they leave behind. Wahlberg, Stephen Levinson, Archie Gibbs, Jack Heller, and Scott Veltri, executive produced. I was in on, um, I was in on Movie Pass pretty early. I think I got in on Movie Pass sometime in late 2013, back when you could, uh, subscribe to the service, get unlimited movies. You could basically, you could see a movie a day, uh, for 30 bucks a month. And I did it because I hosted this podcast and I was like, well, you know, this is actually going to save me money. And it did. It did. I, I watched these movies for 30 bucks a month. I could go to the movie theater and watch a movie a day. And pretty much every theater participated in this program. And you got a movie pass credit card. I still have my movie pass card and you would just scan it. And movie pass would take care of the, take care of the rest. And, uh, then all of a sudden in 2017, they said they're going to do this for nine ninety five. Now, a lot of things changed, Jake. From Movie Pass when it was thirty bucks to when it went to nine ninety five, there used to be a phone number that you could call and you could talk to somebody over the phone if you had technical issues. Now, once it became nine ninety five, you called that fucking number. You're not talking to anybody. Like, th- like, like they had no customer support at that point. You had to send an email. So much changed after that, man. Like, because they had so many problems. With, uh, movie pass after that and so many new subscribers after that. And then, um, they just couldn't sustain the business offering this for $9.95 a month. And, um, I can't wait to see this docu. I can't, I'm looking way more looking forward to this documentary than like the 17 GameStop documentaries that have been, you know, greenlit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I we get that story. I, I I don't see how much material there is with the GameStop story. The, the rise and fall of Movie Pass. I I completely agree with you, and I'm upset that they didn't interview you for this, dude. They should have. Yeah, I, there should be me. I should be. This should be another IMDb credit that I have. <laughs> that I was. Yeah, in- I I I never knew what Movie Pass was until you got it, and that was way ahead of the boom. Yeah, yeah, and I fucking, oh man, I went to, I used Movie Pass. I was swiping that, man, my fucking card got caught on fire one time. I used it so much. I was yeah, swiping that I thing. It was ridiculous. He's on fire. Yeah, he's on fire. Yeah, dude, I fucking used Movie Pass so much, man. I screenshot all the movies that I watched. I watched like, I think it was like one year I watched like 200 movies or something from Movie Pass. No, I remember being at Six Flags with you and you uh, opening up your Movie Pass app and scrolling through all the movies that you'd used that year to see. And this was like still in July and it was like over 100 movies already. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. I can't wait to see this documentary. Like Movie Pass was like even starting to like, uh, 
uh, finance and, and make their own movies. Remember they did that. They like when you went to saw, uh, when you went to see the theatrical, um, uh, release of, uh, American animals before that, it said it was a movie pass movie. And then Bruce Willis made a deal with movie pass yeah. to do some exclusive movies for them at one time. So yeah, it's, I don't know, man. Well, I cannot wait to see this. I thought McMillions was good. I wish it would have all dropped at one time. Like, when it, like, you know, like a Netflix thing instead of being on HBO where we had to wait week to week for like the six episodes or whatever it was. Agreed. And they really played up the uh, last five minutes of every episode, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that like maybe Netflix or somebody gets a hold of this one and they just drop all the movie pass episodes at one time. But I'm really looking forward to a docuseries on this. Yeah, I, I love how the synopsis is like, oh, so taking shots at it, like the disgraced, bankrupted, shuttered uh, movie pass service. <laughs> like they're really fucking giving it body shots. I'm I'm really excited to see uh, their story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, man, dude. I'm telling you, though, for that fucking however long they lasted, like the two years where you could get it for nine ninety five. It was, it was pretty wild. I remember like right before Infinity War came out though, they like, they started doing like limitations to like, you could only see like a movie one time, like a particular movie where before, like you could watch a movie multiple times. It didn't matter. I could go see any movie and the next day I could watch the same movie again. But right before Infinity War came out, like, they started to limit you like, Oh, you can watch infinity war one time and now you can't watch infinity war like multiple times. You can't go back to the theater and watch it the next day using your movie pass, man. I remember all that infinity war stuff. How like people weren't even able to like go and watch it with movie pass. That, well, like, that was, that was more uh mission impossible fallout. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Yeah, I just was remember that. Yeah, I remember that being a huge fucking news cycle thing. Yeah. News from FireWireBlog.com. Edgar Wright to direct new Running Man adaptation. Do you guys see this? Yes. Yeah. Nearly 35 years after the novel was first brought to life on the screen with Arnold Schwarzenegger starring Stephen King's uh, The Running Man is getting new life at Paramount in final talks with Edgar Wright director of Baby Driver, um, to helm a new adaptation of the sci-fi story. First published in 1982 under King's pseudonym Richard Bachman, the story is set in the dystopian world of 2025, United States, in which nation's economy is in ruins and world violence is rising and centers on protagonist Ben Richards, a man desperate to make money to support his uh, ill daughter Kathy and his wife Sheila, as he enters the titular game show in which contestants are allowed to go anywhere in the world while being chased by hunters employed to kill them, earning $100 for every hour the contestant stays alive and avoids capture, and an additional $10 for each law enforcement officer or hunter they kill, and $1 billion grand prize if they can survive for 30 days. The new film will not be a remake of the 1987 film, but rather a more faithful adaptation of King's novel with the Blood and Cornetto trilogy Helmer, who has previously expressed a desire to bring his own take to the material. 
set to co-write the story with Michael Bacall from the Jump Street franchise, with Bacall set to adapt the script. Thoughts on this? I'm, I'm, I, I really want to know what you guys think about Edgar Wright doing a Running Man fucking remake here. Paul, yeah, Tupperware. We Tupperware ooh. fucking trailers. We Tupperware fucking news announcements, and this is one I one I Tupperware. I, I'm super pumped for this. I, I love the original Running Man, but it's got that kind of element of cheese that just doesn't hold up. You know, twenty some years later. I oh, I can't wait to see what Edgar Wright's going to do with this. He's such an innovative filmmaker and does such unique things when it comes to the, the way he films and shoots and uses music. And man, But what I, do you I think about wait. the more faithful adaptation to King's novel? Does that worry you at all? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I wouldn't want them to do a beat-for-beat beat remake of the movie. I, I'm fine with them. I've read the novel, and I'm perfectly fine with that take. Instead of making a remake of the original movie, it, do, it doesn't worry me in the least. I, I think this this is in the right hands, and I can't wait to see the final product. Who who would you like to play? You know, like we had Richard Dawson playing the game yeah. the game show guy. Who would you like to see playing it in Edgar Wright's version? I've got I know who I want. Now, do we want like a game show person personality? Are we going the same route? Because uh, there's a lot of good choices here. I I, I would. I'd be fine fucking throwing Pat Sajak in this role. Throw fucking Drew Carey in this role. Throw Howie Mandel in this role. I, I'm curious to hear who you thrown in. If you have to go, like, if we're going to get, like, a legit game show guy, then I would say I would say uh, Howie Mandel would be fantastic. But if we're going to go with an actor, I'm going to say Sam Rockwell. Oh, oh, I like that a lot. That's good. Paul. Well, I mean, Bob. Bob Barker is still alive. Yeah, come on. But I like, don't think he's got the. He probably doesn't have the energy needed for this. <laughs> like, I can't think of like now that you like it's kind of like the Ryan Reynolds Johnny Cage thing. Now that you said Sam Rockwell, I can't. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Rockwell would be fucking great for this, wouldn't he? Yeah, Dude, he's great in everything perfect. he does. He kind of already played a game show host in that one uh, Clooney movie that I absolutely love, uh, Confessions oh. of a Dangerous Mind. Oh God! Yeah, well, he yeah. played he played the Gong Show uh, guy. Yeah, Chuck Barris. Chuck Barris. Yeah, that's a great fucking movie, by the way. Oh, man. oh yeah, I, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see what what Wright does with this material. I'm fucking stoked. This could come out tomorrow, and I would pay twenty bucks for this. Yeah, like I'll get excited just over any Edgar Wright movie coming out. Um, I have no, I haven't read the novel, but I remember the movie being a staple in my house along with anything else Stallone and Schwarzenegger did. What if what if he what if he cast Kevin Spacey? Oh fuck mm. off! <laughs> well, you know, like what if they got Schwarzenegger to be the host? Oh, he was. Yeah, I wouldn't know. No, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't even take over fucking Celebrity Apprentice and do it. Well. <laughs> so <laughs> that season of Celebrity Apprentice sucked. I'm sorry. Wow, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. Mm. And I love Celebrity Apprentice. So, uh, oh yeah, 
Yeah. Great reality show. Ah, news from Dark Horizons. I'm looking forward to it too, man. It's Edgar Wright doing the running man. Are you kidding me? I can't fucking wait. It, it, what do you think? Is, is Simon Pegg going to be involved at all? Mm, he doesn't need to be. He could be a good host though. Ah, I'll, I'll take, I'll take new people. I'll take all new people. I prefer that. I'm not the biggest Simon Pegg fan. Oh, I love Simon Pegg. News from Dark Horizons. Filmmaker John Carpenter has always uh, fairly bluntly spoken his mind about not just his legendary work, but the film industry in general. In an interview with NME last week, Carpenter touched upon the upcoming Halloween Kills, which was originally scheduled to arrive in theaters last October, but got delayed a year. Intriguing while he talked up how balls out the film is and how it's the ultimate slasher movie as he has before. He also says he isn't shocked by the idea that it may be sent directly to streaming either day and date or exclusively given the current state of film going right now. Quote, these guys are making decisions that they consider in their best interest. This is what they see the future is going to be like and. So to get these things out, they think this is the best way to do it. Halloween may be shared that way. Streaming because theaters are dead. It's just the reality right now. And it's a tragedy. But it's true. We just have to face it. The studio did contact David Gordon Green, the director, and I. And they had us put off the new one one by a year in the hope that things got better. So we're still hoping it will get better. Producer Jason Blum has remained adamant that kills will arrive on October 15th this year, no matter what, come hell or high water, vaccine or no vaccine, it is coming out, he says. Who is Halloween Kills, the sequel to Halloween coming out in theaters, or is it going to be like a theatrical slash video on demand thing? I I can't think it's going to be. I cannot think that it's also it's just going to be 100 percent exclusive to theaters i don't think we're going to be i don't think anything's going to be exclusive to theaters and until probably 2022 when most of most of uh the people have been vaccinated yeah and i don't think think even black widow is going to bend the knee it has to right i mean it has to it has to i don't know if it's going to come out on vod if they're going to keep pushing it out um the same question goes for Fast and Furious 9. You know, they still haven't even announced a date for that, I don't think, though, right? Uh, for Fast and Furious 9? Yeah, they, 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 they had pushed that out until summer, I think May of this year, Jake. Like, oh, okay. They were trying to be, they were trying to be way ahead of the game. They, they were supposed to come out in May of last year, I believe, or April or May of last year. And they were like, ah, fuck it. We're just, it's going to come out the year after. And, I don't think that they realized that, you know, where we would be in a year and that, uh, you know, vaccinations and things like that, the majority of vaccinations won't be completed until the end of this year. And so, you know, Fast and Furious might get pushed out yet again. I, I, unless. Holy crap. Fast and Furious 9 is three hours and eight minutes. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, Dude, where did you find saw that too? Where did May you find 28th. that? Where did you find that? Uh, just looking up the movie, seeing when it came out. May twenty eighth, two thousand twenty one is its yeah. current release okay. date, and it's a three hour eight minute runtime. That's fucking crazy. Oh my god! 
<laughs> and I love the fast movies too, but that that's too much. These are supposed to be ultimate popcorn movies, and it's hardly fucking Infinity War where we've yeah. got to tie all these movies together with some epic final battle. So that's oh, weird. I I don't see Halloween Kills coming out unless it does come out this year. It, 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 yeah, it, if he's saying it comes out October fifteenth, no matter what, I think that we are getting a a VOD. Oh yeah, and like what? Like I, I give him a lot of credit for coming out and just like you know, there's a lot of directors that are just fucking cursing. This whole thing, and and I mean, and obviously, rightfully so. Like they want their movies to be in the theaters, but here comes John Carpenter. Like, yeah, theaters are dead. This, yeah, yeah, fuck, you can go on streaming. Who cares? Well, David Gordon Green hasn't come out and said anything, as far as I know. He's the director. He's the overall director of this. So yeah, we're you know, this is this is Carpenter who's a producer. So yeah, but no, I. I don't see any. I don't. I don't see it being exclusive to the theaters even in October. Yeah, no, no. way. No. no, 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 no. So, dude, that d- dude, did you watch that movie, Paul? Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, it's funny because I'm like, oh, I don't. I'm not big into horror, but like, you know, the Saint Maud, like that just came off like as if that could actually happen. Like you got Halloween where this fucking guy is just unkillable. Like that's. To me, like I just love a good slasher flick, and I love flick, and I've always been a big, big fan of John Carpenter. I love the original Assault on uh, Precinct Nineteen. That's one of my favorites. So I'm I'm all for anything he puts out. But that that reboot of Halloween was fucking awesome. Oh, so good, so goddamn good. Ah, oh, it just sucks that we're not going to be able to see that. In the theater, I don't think. And if it does come out in the theater, not everybody's going to be able to see it. I just don't, you know, I'll see it in the theater if they still, if they're open here, but fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Renting it for 20 bucks at home. Jesus Christ. And you know, like, I don't want to talk for everybody, but now the fact that like my job is having me go back in person, I've been a lot more open to, I'm like, all right, you know, fuck it. I'm already with you know, 20 kids in a classroom. I got no problem now going to a theater. Like I'm already in it, you know, like I got no problem seeing a movie now. Uh, I, yeah, when I, when I do, and it's been, you know, it's been a few weeks since I saw a movie in the theater, but when I do go, I've got the mask on, it's on the entire time. And I come home and I come home to my cats. I'm not worried about, you know, I'm not worried about passing it on to anybody here at my house. So, uh, Marvel news. Oh shit! I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot. Marvel news. Stephen Ford. Uh, Stephen Ford is the guy on Twitter. He's done some TV before, but Stephen Ford is the guy on Twitter who he was the first guy to pitch this uh, Jimmy Woo show. He's basically saying, like, I want to see an X Files type show with Jimmy Woo, Jimmy Woo, played by Randall Park. You know, solving shit in the MCU. You know, this uh, this weird shit that's going on. And uh, did you guys hear about this? No. 
No. Are you kidding me? You've never heard about Stephen – like you never heard about this Jimmy Woo show that Stephen – Oh, that I heard about, but I, I didn't know that he was the one. He was the originator. He was the originator. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only part I haven't heard about. Okay. Well, Stephen Ford, he was the originator of that – the, the first tweet, and it got retweeted a bunch. And a bunch of people have said like, oh, yeah, I want to see a fucking Jimmy Woo show. And then some people were saying, I want to see a Jimmy Woo and Darcy show. But Stephen Ford was the first guy that fucking like put it out there. And he, he posted a picture on Twitter and it said, did I show you all my Captain America controller? And it's a, it's a video game controller and it's a Captain America inspired controller. But behind the controller was all these pictures of Jimmy Woo and it's what some people are saying like, oh, he's doing the show. It's happening. And I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't, we haven't gotten official word from Marvel Studios that this show's going forward. I think it's his pitch. I think it's his pitch to Marvel for this show. Oh, it sounds almost like it could be kind of like the leaked Deadpool trailer. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, like I, I, I caused this big stir on, on the internet, internet about like, you know, this, this thing that I, that I really want to, you know, start and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people are behind it. And like, yeah, we got that with Deadpool, you know, they leak that footage and shit and then fucking, but I do think that he is going to be involved in the pitch meeting with, with Disney. I think that, I think it is happening. But I think everything in that picture, you know, there's pictures of Jimmy Woo and, and, and things like that. I think it's all part of his pitch meeting with Marvel. This could definitely happen. We could see this show happen. That would be cool. I'd be all for that. I think it's such a cool thing with Disney Plus now to give these characters we love and also these awesome actors, you know, an opportunity to shine. So I'd be all for that. You guys haven't seen this picture? No. Ah, oh, fuck. Let me pause real quick. All right, we're back. I sent that to you. Did you? <laughs> you you're looking at it now, aren't you? Now you've, I've seen it now. Now you're playing with power. <laughs> Nintendo. What do you think, Jake? Do you think like like is this like some people are saying that this is a reveal, like the show's been greenlit, and I feel like this is maybe just like uh, a pitch. He's gonna pitch this to marvel yeah i don't think it's a reveal that it's being greenlit i lean towards what you're saying that the pitch is happening so yeah the doors are open marvel's gonna have a sit down with this guy and maybe stephen ford at the end of the day might be the writer for this show like if they love his pitch yeah i i I agree with that and and they very well could um I don't know. Maybe this is all for not though. I mean, is Jimmy Woo going to make it out of the next two episodes of WandaVision? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're not going to kill Jimmy Woo. No. No. Such a lovable character, you know? He's the perfect, like, fall guy for possibly dying. Paul, are they going to kill Jimmy Woo? Uh, I see Jake's point. I I don't. uh, Like, I have a feeling they won't if this guy is posting this picture also i may be completely but like what's captain america about this controller yeah (laughs) hold on let me look have you guys seen my captain america controller let's see yeah 
What is Captain America about that controller? Yeah, he was totally just doing it to get some word of mouth about excitement about Agent Wu because that just looks like a. I don't black see a shield color. or I don't see red, white, and blue. That looks like Magneto. <laughs> That's a great call. It's a Magneto controller. <laughs> oh, he's Uh-oh. laid down a whole new. Uh, he <laughs> he did math just like me, and he, he, he he's. He's signaling in Magneto too. Maybe, yeah, I don't. I don't. Know, maybe this guy's not the guy, the right guy if he doesn't know like <laughs> Captain America's red, white, and blue. You know what I mean? This is <laughs> maybe it's a U.S. agent controller. There you go. Hmm. <laughs> I think Falcon? you're. I think I you're onto something, Jake. let's jump into that's all the marvel news i got we talked about most of the marvel shit for wandavision let's jump into dc news last night batman destroyed my vagina and now the leftovers are going to destroy dc news it's time for dc news you fucking pieces of shit this is is ridiculous batman destroyed my (laughs) vagina what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Snyder Cut. We got the Snyder Cut trailer. Snyder Cut. I want to know your thoughts about the Snyder Cut trailer that was released. I'm going to start with you, Paul. Oh, great. No, you know what? <laughs> fuck it. I'll start. Let's just get, let's get the toss it out of the way. Jake, what did you think about the Snyder Cut? <laughs> oh, I don't want to go first. I, 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 I don't know what I thought about this. I, I, I mean, I'm going to watch it, but this, yeah, it is a toss. It it did nothing for me. I, the Joker thing is so fucking stupid. Him doing the, we live in a society line. Oh my God. Like maybe that would be cool. Well, actually gave a shit, but it's pretty passe now. Yeah. I, oh boy. We just spent four hours watching this on a Friday night. We're going to do a whole episode on this, Jake. I hope you're ready. (laughs) You're cutting in and out. You sound like you might want to like log off and log back in. You're cutting in and out. All right. All right. I'm doing it. All right. That's probably good though that it happened when Jake's talking about the Snyder cut. Yeah. That was a blessing that Jake's cutting in and out. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? What do you think, Paul? Man, I mean, I. Yeah, it. It's something that happened. I, I love that people are excited for this. I'm not trying to shit on their prey at all, I could give... Like, I feel like it didn't give anything really more. I mean, yeah, we got to see new images, but it's just like, eh, eh. Jerolito's in it, great. I'm gonna toss it. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh... This looks like a completely new movie to me. I fucking loved it. <laughs> I know, I'm not even joking, dude. I fucking no. loved it. I love. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I, glad you did. I, I'm glad that I did too. I fucking, I fucking, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what everybody's saying. And this movie might suck, but my god, it had so much new shit in it. It looked like a completely different movie. I cannot wait for this fucking movie. We've got to see fucking Dark Side. Oh my god! Tw- two, they said two thousand and six hundred and fifty new visual FX shots were added to this movie, and I I cannot fucking wait. We got to see the fucking Bat Tank. We got to see it, and and finally I, I we get to see Jared Leto under a different director. I'm fucking. I am so ready for this. I cannot fucking wait. 
I cannot fucking wait. I thought the trailer looked great. I loved it. I tupped away the fuck out of the trailer. <laughs> fuck all the haters. I don't give a shit. That is awesome. What are you doing, Jake? What the fuck's going on right. over there? Am I, am I working now? I think my phone broke when you said we're doing a whole episode on this thing. <laughs> oh, we're doing a whole fucking episode on the Snyder. You bet your fucking ass we're doing a whole episode on the Snyder Cut. Please tell me you got oh Philip. boy. Philip's coming on. Oh, fuck off, Jake. Oh, we're doing a whole fucking... It's got to be... we got to do an episode. It's a huge. It's a Snyder Cut. It'll be the first... <laughs> <episode> <laughs> longer than the movie. Huh? Oh my god. What is going on? <laughs> you, you are coming in shitty, dude. <laughs> oh my god. Alright. The Snyder Cup broke me. Yeah. Alright. Uh, let's move on. New Constantine series from uh, HBO, uh, is coming to HBO Max. And they're going to recast John Constantine. Ooh. Yeah. So Matt Ryan's not coming back. Uh, we're not getting Keanu Reeves. So we're getting a new, Whoa. getting a new John Constantine. We're getting a, a, a new John Constantine series coming to HBO Max. I know a lot of people are upset about this because they, everybody loved, you know, Matt Ryan. Here's the thing. I watched the few, first few episodes of that fucking series and it was fine and I know some people love it more than others. I didn't watch him on Arrow when he showed back up on Arrow mm-hmm. but um I'm all for it I'm all for it and if it leads to a Justice League Dark series even more so I can't wait so oh yeah so, I think Constantine's such a cool character but like isn't there some rumblings about a sequel with Keanu Reeves because Peter Stomare said that there is talk of a sequel. Really? I don't know. I, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I think he said it like in the summer. He said we absolutely have. And we'll look it up. He said we absolutely have been talking. And he said Keanu was on board as well, I believe. Huh. Uh, uh, oh, it was in November. Um, this is fine. <laughs> I will stop trying to do my investigative reporting. It is, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. I like it. Yeah, he said it's in the works. It's in the works. Jake, yeah, um, Jake, what's in the works for you over there? I don't know. Hopefully, a stable connection. Oh my god, you sound like shit. What the fuck, dude? Do I still let me hang up again? No, you sound you sound good on. now. You sound, you sound good, good now. Right now, like for a moment there, you're like oh, oh, okay. I was like, still. <laughs> now you sound, you sound like, as good as Jamie Dornan singing. Jamie Dornan singing to seagulls right now, buddy. Nice, Beautiful. nice. I just think the Snyder news fucking broke my connection. Oh man, I know. Yeah, Snyder cut. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's it, gonna be the first movie episode we do where our episode isn't longer than the movie. Oh yeah, no. Now <laughs> just because you said that we're going six hours. <laughs> Fuck you, we're going full six hours. We're going the full six. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna make my connection not work during that like hour five on that one. I fucking I love that I fucking love the trailer. I don't give a fuck what anybody said. It looked fun as shit. 
It looked, it looked fucking batshit crazy. Gonna be R-rated. Oh my god. I love that fucking trailer. I don't give a fuck. I thought it looked fun. Oh, it looked, everything looked new. It, lo- it all looked new. It didn't look like anything we'd seen. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. Good or bad, I can't fucking wait. That trailer got me so goddamn excited. Yeah, it's going to be a spectacle, one way or the other. <laughs> I know, I know, Jake. I know, Jake. I'm going to toss it. I know you're going to toss it. I know you're going to toss it right now. Big spoilers for the Snyder Cut. Jake's going to toss it. I mean, I don't. I yes, I didn't like <laughs> any of his other movies. It's like, what do you? He's all of a sudden he's going to change direction in a way that I you, love. I, I I don't see it happening. You love Dawn of the Dead, but only because James Gunn wrote it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't like Man of Steel. I don't like BVS. Justice League was fucking awful. I I just don't see... Justice League was 90% Joss Whedon, 10% Zack Snyder. Sir. You didn't like Watchmen? He didn't like Watchmen. I hate it. I fucking love Watchmen. I I do love Watchmen. I think 300's a pile of shit. I love 300. (laughs) (laughs) I love 300. I, 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 Zack Snyder, I think visually he's a very impressive filmmaker. I, I, but the stories just fucking murder my brain. Ah, the stories suck with him. Sucker Punch was not good. And that was because he wrote the story. But like, I love it when he daps fucking stories for the most part. I wasn't a huge fan of BVS. I didn't even like the ultimate edition of BVS. I thought that that was fucking stupid, stupid too. But I love I love Man of Steel. I love Watchmen. I love Three Hundred. And I want to I want to I want to see the Snyder Cut. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I love that trailer blew me the fuck away. Blew my dick off. <laughs> it's like a whole. And you know it might suck, but my God, everything was new. It all looked new. It was all it was all new. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> I I need to revisit Justice League because I don't think I could tell you what's new or old. I feel like I've like total recalled that movie away from my brain. I'm the same way, Jake. When I saw that footage, I'm like, oh, this is all stuff we've seen. It is nothing that we've seen. What the fuck are you talking about? I guess it's not. You're out of your fucking mind. You're out of your fucking mind. Granny Dodge. Sign me up. (laughs) Oh, you guys are out of your fucking minds. Constantine, we're getting a new Constantine. New Constantine, they're gonna cast a new guy. A lot of people are upset about this. I'm, I'm for it. I'm for, I'm just a little upset that Guillermo del Toro is not involved in this project at all. Oh, I I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think that guy deserves to be a part of this. Uh, news from Dark Horizons. Daytime Emmy nominee Sasha Cali from The Young and the Restless, has beaten out over 400 other actresses to score the role of Supergirl in the new Flash feature film at Warner Brothers Pictures and DC Films. The Flash director, Andy Muschietti, watched all the auditions and were said to be blown away by Callie, who also did a chemistry read with actor Ezra Miller, who is reprising his role of Barry Allen, The Flash, for the currently in production feature. So, yeah, we're getting uh, the Boston-born Colombian actress is also the first Latina Supergirl ever in D.C. She'll join the production shortly. So, yeah, we're getting a brand-new Supergirl here. And her only previous credits are The Young and the Restless? That's all I have listed. She might have been in—who knows? She could have been in some— Boy, they. Jake, are you not a fan <laughs> of the daytime soap operas? <laughs> no. What? What? 
I'm more of a days of our lives guy myself. Yeah. <laughs> if she was a if she was cast on days, it would be a completely different story. <laughs> then fucking sign me sign up. Sign me up, but she's on the young and the restless. Fuck that shit. Yeah, Team General Hospital, motherfuckers. Is that even a show anymore? General Hospital? I don't fucking know. Not, <laughs> not like not like thirty years, dude. Is, is passion still on? Passions, oh, dude, passions was the shit. Passion, passions was my jam, dude. Man, oh yeah, I don't. Know. How excited can you get for this the news? And the restless is still ongoing. How excited! How, how, how excited for this news can you get? Not very. Like, who the fuck is getting excited for this news? I don't know. I don't know. That's. Not, that's I guess we have to um, go with Muschietti and and assume those screen tests went really well because, yikes. Soap opera Supergirl. Oof. If Andy Machete was not a fucking famous director, I would swear that he would be like a fucking like contestant or like he would be like one of the chefs on Iron Chef. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this week you're going up against fucking Andy Machete. Oh Oh, shit. Oh no. And I gotta, we gotta make an octopus dish against Andy Machete. Oh no! This guy's gonna this guy's gonna fuck me up. I wasn't I wasn't expecting seafood. <laughs> I was prepared to go with the pork tenderloin, but not the octopus. And the machete's gonna kill me this episode on Iron Chef. I, did you ever watch Iron Chef, Jake? Yeah, I did. I did. I loved it. Oh man, I love the old Iron Chef, not the American Iron Chef. I'm talking like the old school no, Iron yeah, Chef. I don't know that I've even seen the American one. Who is your favorite? Mine was Sakai. I love fucking Sakai. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker, dude. Sakai was the shit, man. Man, can you revisit that show anywhere? No, I've no. tried. I've tried. I loved it. I fucking it's loved on it. Pluto. It's on Pluto. It's got its own channel. Yeah. The original, not the American. Uh, I was taking out my trash the other day and I, I kept hearing these voices and I was like, what the fuck? Where are these voices coming from? I had accidentally pulled up Pluto TV on my phone <laughs> and it was playing the Three's Company channel. <laughs> Dude, you should take out your trash as much as you can. You might get cast in the new Flash movie. That's true. That's true. Oh my God. I fucking... Uh, the Pluto TV is amazing. Oh my god, I've been watching the American Gladiators channel for weeks. Yeah, that's a great channel too. Oh my god, and I just I realized that American Gladiator played Jax in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. What? Saber. Really? Saber that... from American Gladiators was Jax in the sequel to Mortal Kombat. I did not know that, sir. <laughs> the more you know. The more you know. That little star just fucking hit me in the dick. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're getting a Supergirl. Uh, Why in the dick? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Why not? You know, that's how this show rolls. Let's let's go to let's go to a private area. 
You know, <laughs> you ain't wrong. You know, he said dick, but then he said, "Oh, it's a little private." You know, animal. we got Batman destroying vaginas. Why not? <laughs> you know, fuck it. You fucking pieces of shit. shit. <laughs> uh, Star Wars news. I'll play that bumper. When's the last time I played this fucking thing? I don't even know where it is on this fucking thing. Here it is. What the Mises saying? You were supposed to be here with me listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. When's the last time you heard that fucking thing? Dude, I haven't heard that for like over two years. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that played when I've been on. <laughs> it's a blast from the past, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. During, uh, this comes from the direct, during Disney Investor Day 2020, a bevy of upcoming Star Wars projects were officially, you know what I was thinking about? This isn't even Star Wars news. You know what they haven't done with the WandaVision and the MCU shit that they've done in the movies? And I'm surprised that they haven't done yet for the shows. And I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on this for like the, uh, for the MCU, the Disney Plus shows. Do you remember when they were giving us scenes from Avengers Infinity War and Endgame that never showed up in the fucking movie? Mm. Do you remember that? On the previously ons? No, no. Yeah, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The trailer for Avengers Infinity War at the oh yeah in yeah, the trailer exactly in about. the trailer we saw like Hulk show up at that end battle, right? Well, we know Hulk wasn't at that end battle. It was a fake. It was a fake scene, right? That never happened in the fucking movie. Do you yeah, think? Wasn't... Do you think that the MCU? Disney Plus shows might take a little bit of that and and give us fake scenes in these trailers, things that never happen in these fucking movies that that'll fake us out. I think it's possible, but probably not for this show, maybe further down the line on some of the bigger event Marvel shows. I feel like they're just kind of going media dark for these last two episodes as you know, when it comes to showing teaser trailers, like it's the most watched show in the world right now. I don't think they need to suck any more people in. Paul. Yeah. I mean, they did it for the biggest movies. I don't see it. I don't see it going past them. I think they could totally do it, but I agree. I agree with Jake. And like, wasn't there a toy release of Hulk, like breaking through the, uh, the Hulkbuster armor. I, I swear I remember that too, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like ripping it in half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't put it past them at all. But like Jake said, I feel like they're going to treat us like mushrooms with the next two. They're going to keep us in the dark and feed us shit. Well, I don't think, yeah, it's a little too late to do it with WandaVision, but I think like going forward, we can't trust Disney and their trailers. We could. Agreed. Going forward, I can 100%. I can 100% see this tactic being used. Yeah. Especially if they do a big event series like a Secret Wars or maybe even for Secret Invasion, I think it would be a perfect time to do something like this. Right. Like, like, like they've done it for the movies. We saw images that never made it to the final film. They just put it in the trailers for misdirection. And I, I keep thinking to myself, like, 
will they apply that same tactic to these Disney Plus shows? That could definitely, I could definitely see that happening. Not in WandaVision, we're so late in the series, but like, I could definitely see it happening. News from the direct during the Disney Investor Day 2020, a bevy of upcoming Star Wars projects were officially announced, including the feature film Rogue Squadron, directed by Patty Jenkins, and an upcoming untitled film by Taika Waititi. A gleaming absence from all the Lucasfilms announcements was the upcoming trilogy directed by Ryan Johnson, which had been rumored to still be in the works. Johnson's Star Wars trilogy was first officially announced during a 2017 Disney quarterly shareholder meeting after the release of Star Wars The Last Jedi, which became one of the most controversial Star Wars films ever, the news around a Johnson-led trilogy has gone quiet despite no official comment, uh, no, despite no official confirmation from Disney. It appears The Last Jedi will not be Johnson's one and only Star Wars flick. The Ryan Johnson trilogy is real. USA Today author Soraya Wilson has revealed on Twitter that Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy is still in the works. She shared that there are, quote, no dates or timelines because he has other projects going on, but it is happening. This is her tweet. She says, I'm just going to post this now because I can see that I'm going to get a lot of requests. Yes, Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy is still on. No dates or timelines because he has other projects going on, but it is happening. That is all I know about it. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad every time this comes up and we get told that it's still not canceled, I, I cheer. That's the thing. He's never come out and said, like, it's not happening. I guess it's just it's it's down to him. We know that the, the guys from Game of Thrones, their shit got fucking canned. And yeah. so they're not going forward with anything. Uh, it, aren't they doing like a Netflix thing? The D and D guys. I feel like that's true. Or was it another HBO show? Uh, Benioff and what's it? Benioff, Benioff and Vice. Yeah, that sounds right. Netflix, Benioff and Vice Netflix deal is popping up on my search engine. Benioff and Vice inked a five-year, $250 million partnership with Netflix in August to make film and TV projects exclusively for the streaming service. I remember, I remember I thought it was Netflix. So yeah, it looks like they've signed a deal with Netflix to do film and TV projects. Netflix buying up everybody, buying up Ryan Murphy, now buying up Benioff and Vice. So, um, those guys are canned. Ryan Johnson, was one of those names that they were throwing out there, but we never got official news. Here's the thing with, uh, man, just going back to like how fucking Lucasfilm, how Disney is announcing these shows. It doesn't have to be, these shows don't have to be announced at these big events that they have. I mean, at the end of, the, of of the Mandalorian season two, that's where we got the announcement that we're getting a fucking Boba Fett series. Yeah, they kept that under wraps so they could have that as their big reveal for the end of Mando season two. You're right, so you just can't think. Well, it wasn't at the investor meetings, right. so it's not happening. Well, same thing with anything Marvel going forward too. Mm-hmm. At the end of Wandavision, they might. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but at the end of Wandavision, we could. 
We could find out about a show we never even knew was coming. Uh, at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier, we could find out about a new show that's that we didn't know was coming. At the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier, it, they could be like, oh, my God, Thunderbolt's coming in the year 2022 to Disney Plus. And we're, we're like, what the fuck? What? Thunderbolt series? Oh, my God. Like, this, these things can happen now. But uh, back to uh, Ryan Johnson's trilogy. It's a trilogy. She's saying this lady from USA Today saying it's still going to happen. Ryan Johnson has not has not come out and said, "Yeah, I'm not working with Disney." It just seems like this is on the back burner. He's got some other projects going on, and it's still going to happen. Yeah, it's a, it's a big undertaking too. It's not like he's just writing a sequel to something someone's already written. Like he's creating new Star Wars material from the ground up from what we have heard about this. Right. And that's not something you do on a weekend. Do you think it's, is it going to be, okay. I got to think to myself that it's got to be something so different than this guy who's just coming in and bouncing off of J.J. Abrams movie. He's doing his own thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's doing Mm -hmm. his own trilogy. He gets to start it from, like you said, Jake, from the ground up. So I'm hoping that, like, you know, for the people that didn't love The Last Jedi, I'm hoping that this can – but I know that there probably are a bunch of people that did not like The Last Jedi but also, on the flip side, loved Knives Out. So I'm hoping that maybe uh, Ryan Johnson can get back in the good graces with some of these people with with a new trilogy here. And I don't – Dude, I totally get why they're putting this off. Honestly, it's like any Star Wars movie, the next Star Wars movie that comes out better fucking knock it out of the park after we've gotten such great seasons with The Mandalorian. Yeah, it's got a lot to live up to. The Mando pretty much made it, so you have to fucking kill it or you're just going to be raked across the coals. Yeah. Is the next one Patty Jenkins movie or I feel like it's got to be Taika's to kind of get the faith back up. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope that it would be Taika's. I'm, I don't know. After Wonder Woman 1984, I don't know so much about. Oh God. Yeah. It kind of soured it. Right. But like Taika, I mean, and and Taika directed some amazing episodes of the Mandalorian. Well, he directed the one episode. Oh, okay, he he did the one, but like yeah. he totally revitalized Thor. I oh, mean, oh, guy, totally, totally. Yeah, I, I would hope it's his that kind of gets everyone back on the Star Wars movie train. God, I want to know what his movie's about. Like, I know everybody's talking about like, oh, you know, like a bounty hunter movie, but like on the flip side, like I hope it's something completely new and different. A hundred percent, completely new and different with Taika. Oh yeah. When's his soccer movie come out? I don't know. What was that? I have no idea when that movie comes out. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I didn't even know he had a soccer movie. Yeah, he's got a soccer movie coming out. Well, they're coming. Not and not to be confused with the Pele documentary that's coming out. Paul's like, what? A Pele documentary is coming out? It's called Next Goal Wins. Oh, it's got Army Hammer in it. Uh oh. What? Oh, uh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> I Here's the thing with the Army Hammer shit. <laughs> I don't think that dude really wants to fucking eat people. I think he's just stupid and says dumb shit, right? 
Mm, I don't know. I don't know I what don't I know, believe on man. that story anymore. I, at first, I thought it was a bunch of bullshit, and then he starts quitting every movie. Yeah, and some of those texts, if they're to believe, woof. It's dude. I just think dude's a freak, right? He's just a freak and says freaky well, shit. I agree with that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> dude. dude. <laughs> Man, who the fuck says that kind of shit, right? <laughs> dude, <laughs> crazy. Oh my god, oh, boy. He's oh my, he's he's only thirty four. <laughs> Who Army Hammer? Yeah, yeah. Army Hammer's alleged leak cannibal DM. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked up. That's a tense cool. man. Oh my god, dude. Army Hammer has been the subject of an intense social media controversy that refuses to go away. The messages and the screenshots, which are unverified, referred to fantasies evolving domination and cannibalism. Among other claims, Hammer has denied certain allegations against him and simply avoided or refused to address others. He's been dropped by two projects, including a series on Paramount's forthcoming streaming service about the making of The Godfather. Last week, he was also dropped by his agency and his publicist. Jeez. Yeah, there was just another TMZ article yesterday. Uh Uh-oh. From one of his ex-girlfriends claiming he licked her blood after branding her. Jesus Christ. It's uh, Paige Lorenz who was in Call Me By Your Name. He branded he said, her? Yeah, branded her with the letter A above her pubic area, then licked her fresh wound as it was bleeding, causing her to worry about it becoming infected. Her, her exact quote was, he was licking it, drinking the blood, and then I basically just showered after, tried to clean it up as best as I could. She claims the brand has still not healed properly. Why did, did she go along with this shit? I don't know. What the fuck? Dude. She claims Army knew this made her uncomfortable, but he was in a position of power and she just wanted to please him. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. And this was a TMZ article that just got published yesterday. Like, every time I think this story is bullshit, it comes back with more craziness. Guys, guys, do not treat your girlfriend like cattle. That is that is fucked up. I can't even get a right swipe on Tinder. How does that turn a person on to brand another human being? How is that sexy? That is not sexy. That is sick. Jesus yeah, that's messed right. up. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> what just what 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 guys? What happened? What happened? Like what happened? Like when fucking doggy style wasn't a turn on anymore? Where do you go? Like what kind of road are you going down when fucking like reverse cowgirl is not sexy anymore, and you got to brand the person that you're with? What the fuck, Jake? <laughs> Yeah, hold on, baby. This shit's boring. Let me go get the waffle iron. No shit, dude. That's the foreman grill. That yeah, no shit. I'm gonna fuck it. I'm gonna get the foreman grill on your ass. What the fuck, guys? What? No, seriously, guys. What is going on when it it, when fucking reverse cowgirl and doggy style is not sexy anymore, and you gotta fucking bring out fucking 
appliances on your fucking sex partner. What is going on? And they're saying like, like this girl is saying her, like his mom even told her like, don't date my son. He's dark. Yeah, he has demonic behaviors is what the mom said. What the fuck? Dude, Army Hammer in the show Reaper played the devil's son. This was a documentary. (laughs) Dude. And I fucking, I used to love Army Hammer because I was a huge fan of Reaper and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait. This guy's career is going to fucking blow up. That's so awesome. I'm so happy for him. And now he's, what the fuck, dude? Oh my god! Did you see the picture that TMZ is posting with the with? with the branding? No, no, like like they just got a picture of him with like his hair all up, and he's got a mustache topless, and he's got this fucking crazy ass fucking face. Oh my god! Jesus, I'm gonna send it to you. <laughs> Holy shit! This guy is fucking. Oh, with he's got like a mohawk. Yeah, I'm gonna. Send, yeah, it's insane. No. <laughs> This is what TMZ has on their, or one of the websites has on their main, uh, it's like their headline picture to go with the story of his mom telling his girlfriends to stay away. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to send it to you, Jake. What I th- the I fuck? I think we just found our, I think we found our actor for Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> fucking guy. Yikes. Jesus Christ. No, let, let me send you this picture. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> this is... Uh, oh, my God. It's a human heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you guys this picture. And it's titled, Army Hammer Showcases New Quarantine Haircut and Mustache. <laughs> Army, oh, Ham- blood. Army Hammer Showcases New Haircut here we go. I'm sending it to you now, Paul and Jake. I'm gonna send it to you. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Jake, you're getting it now. Yeah. I got a fucking shirt. Yikes! That shirt is amazing. <laughs> I think you're right about the Mephisto. His mustache looks exactly like an M. Dude, it does. And <laughs> for Mephisto, oh my god, he's Mephisto. It's crazy. Mm. He's just a real method actor. He was getting into the Mephisto role. Dude, I've never understood people that get into like, like the weird, sick, and perverted. Really sick and perverted sexual shit, like fucking. No, even tamer stuff is really weird to me. Like the people that like pour candle wax on each other. Like even that is like, get the fuck out of here, dude. I can't even do food, bro. I'm not trying to get burned a little bit while I'm. <laughs> well, shit. I don't even want. I, you know, like if you want to take Ready Whip and rub it all over my fucking like dick and shit and suck that shit. Fuck that, dude. I don't want my dick all sticky and shit after sex. I got enough. I got enough to worry about when I fucking come all over my stomach and I gotta wipe that shit off. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I hear you. Jesus Christ! It's like that uh, Jake, that candle wax is like that. Uh, don't be a menace to society while drinking your juice in the hood. Oh, 
I'm looking for a panini maker in the background on these pictures. <laughs> oh, crazy. Dude, some fucked guy. up Star Wars news. Dude, what, <laughs> dude, when did sex become boring and you got to do this shit? I know. I know. Oh, my God, man. Oh, shit. Eating hearts. Next Dude. level. I bet Valentine's Day was off the chain. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the only movie he can be in now is a remake of Temple of Doom. <laughs> Dude, they're going to... No, they're going to they're gonna fucking cast him as Hannibal. Yeah. He's going to be at the end of Clarice. Oh, my God. <laughs> He'll be the next Iron Chef. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got this week, boys. I hope all the girls are okay, though. That's fucked up, dude. Would you want you? Would you want your fucking daughter dating Army Hammer? No, this guy. I would fucking kill this guy. No, I would pull her college fund. Man, (laughs) fuck, man. If if Army Hammer was dating my sister, Jesus Christ, I would be. I oh my god, that. Yeah, I know where I'm not going for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Why is there a cow proud of the table army? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Mm. Mm, that turkey up. smells really good, army. Oh, that's not turkey. That's not turkey. Yeah. That's 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 your sister's ass. <laughs> <laughs> crazy like when this story first broke i i didn't believe it i was like this is just they're just setting this guy up there's no way this is fucking real but like yeah the more time that goes on the more it seems like there's something to it hey jake didn't we have a clubhouse call about this at one point i think i said it was bullshit then yeah (laughs) dude this guy's got some weird ass kinks though right no yeah yeah i've uh, yeah I've, i've come around this guy's fucked up I don't even think they're kinks at this point. I think they're felonies. Yeah. <laughs> fuck this guy. What the fuck, Army Hammer? <laughs> I'm glad that I never watched Lone Ranger now. <laughs> 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 fuck this dude. <laughs> That's so fucked. This is so fucked. Oh, How, what the fuck, man? I don't get this shit. No, it's the crazy one of the craziest stories of the year. It is wild, dude. It is wild. Just these fucking pictures of him just looking like a nut. That's a shame for Taika's movie, though, because I bet that is what what the holdup is. It's got to be anything with him involved is like completely hit a fucking brick wall. And Taika's like, "Fuck, I can't get Christopher Plummer to replace him now." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What the fuck? Oh shit. Oh, fucking deep fake him out of that shit. Who the fuck did you come up with that? 
you right, man? You know? <laughs> did, did you have someone? Did you have someone involved in your production that's that that might be a part of the Me Too movement? Well, oh. cast Christopher Plummer. So call the plumber. Call, yeah, call the plumber. Call the plumber. <sighs> uh, all right, all right, all right. Paul, thank you so fucking much, dude. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I could, t- dude. When did sex just become boring and you got to brand people? I'll never understand it, Jake. I'll never get it either. The shit that the, the shit that gets people's dicks off, dude. These days, it's just wild to me. When did sex become boring? Just like I don't know. When I don't it gets know. To that you're just—it's just too much. I know. When did like putting your v- dick in a vagina just become like ah oh, that's old hat? I gotta fucking I gotta brand somebody. I gotta eat I gotta eat their body parts and shit. That's a turn on. I gotta lick blood off their body. Oh, fuck off! What the fuck? That's so weird. I gotta go on QVC and get a new branding device. Fuck. Oh, Jesus, Paul, thank you, dude. <laughs> it is a blast, man. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, man. What's coming up on the Batcast since you're doing a new one, Paul? Uh, we are going to um, – her and I are deciding which uh, episode we want to do. We kind of want to do a off-the-beaten-path one. So, But we're going to talk about uh, the Snyder Cut trailer. Oh, you guys are going <laughs> to episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, listen to the next episode where you guys shit on it. Right? <laughs> you know, we live in a we live in a society where that happens, Brian. <laughs> yeah, let me know if you want a guest on that episode, Paul. I would love to. <laughs> this time it won't be lost, I promise. Oh my god. Ugh. Jake. Yes. You're not gonna be here next week, are you? I thought we weren't supposed to talk about that. Yeah, fuck, I don't give a fuck. Uh, who gives a shit? I don't care if these people come back. I will 100% be here next week. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Jake, Jake will be here. So come on back for some more. <laughs> come on back, you hear? <laughs> come on. In case, in case I'm not, I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. But you'll be here. So I'm looking, yeah. f- I'm looking, forward, for to sure. t- looking forward to talking to you next week, dude. Yeah, I for sure won't miss the week after, though. I got to talk some Tom and Jerry. Is that coming out? I think it comes out March 1st. Am I crazy about that? No, maybe I mean, it comes out. I, mean, I think that's the one that comes out next week, maybe. I don't know. I ain't going to be talking that's about gonna it. That's going to be a fucking shit pile. It looks terrible. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Army Hammer's in that one, too. He fucking. Is he really? Yeah, he, br- he brands <laughs> Jerry's <laughs> ass. Oh, poor Jerry. He fucking eats Tom's heart and shit. It's fucked up. <laughs> Don't worry, Tom. I got Jerry's heart right here. What? Uh, all right. <laughs> Guys, just like all good leftover sand, they're doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 370, I think. I don't even know. Jake, what episode are we on? I don't know. Let me look on the brand that you put on me. Oh, 370. <laughs> all right, yeah. We'll be back with next uh, with 370. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap.
Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's, it's a trap.